Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan, TR. And uh, for those listeners that tune in consistently, uh, I do apologize once again for the lack of consistency in the podcast lately. Um, Great guest today, though, Kenny Reed coming right up. Sportsnet got a great new book out. Um, so anyway, yeah, I've 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 been you know I've just been busy and yeah, just not as uh, you know there's not as much income like a lot of us. So I, I just got to keep hustling. And to be quite quite honest, I feel a bit narcissistic like uh, when I do these podcasts because I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, you know, there's really not much motivation to do it other than, I guess, you know, people listen. Do I think it's so important for people to have to hear from me? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but when I don't do them, I get some messages and people seem to like them. But like I said, you know, it takes a lot of time. It sometimes takes research. There's no money in it. It's not like I'm getting paid. So it's... um. It becomes a bit of a thorn in my side, to be honest. And I, I find myself going, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, sure, I'll rent the ice. I'll, I'll go with you guys. Or, yeah, I'll meet you for dinner. We'll have a few beers. Oh, I got my podcast to do. And there's really no motivation um, other than, I guess, people. I know that some people enjoy it, so I just, I'll keep doing it. But um, I don't want to seem negative. I just, you know, yeah, it really... It really, um, I don't want to use the word thorn in my side. That's almost ignorant. Because I know some people like it. And it's nice to catch up, especially today. I love uh, I love chatting with Ken Reed. We have great conversations. I don't mean to start this on a negative note. Because I'm going to keep doing them. I just don't know that I'm going to do them as frequently. Uh, maybe I was doing one a week. Maybe one every two weeks. 
Um, now, who knows? Who knows? I'm going to do what I can. And uh, it's going to have to be good enough because um, <laughs> that's just what I'm going to do. I have no idea anymore of the numbers. Um, who's listening? I know we were at, we had some decent numbers coming in. Um, especially during COVID, it was pretty consistent for obvious reasons, though there was more time. In any case, in any case, uh, I find it a bit of a dichotomy. I feel like a blowhard on one level, uh, a narcissistic blowhard. And on the other side, I feel there are some people that like to tune in and like what I have to say, or whatever that might be, especially when I have a good guest on. Um, and that part I get, the guest. But um, yeah, what else? Um, anything else? princess and uh things have been fairly busy around around here for me been doing some work on hudson and rex i still do some some uh i, I don't even know what to say with with tj's or turkey joe's I'm sure some of you that turn into instagram have seen me do some promos uh so that's still going i'm uh loosely involved i help manage the place and um just put forth some ideas. We're, we're doing it for our buddy, Stefan Hancock. And uh, it's been going all right. Princess, what is it? Poor cat. Uh, I let her out a few times. And uh, she's not comfortable with it. I live on a busy street, so I'm not doing it anymore. But once in a while, she wants to go out. So it's just chaos. She's meowing and clawing and scratching. I don't blame her, by the way. I don't blame her live in a tiny little apartment maybe if i chose a different path in life maybe if more people fucking listened or whatever you might have i shouldn't say that i know we got decent listen decent listenership i i just uh, and i appreciate all the hockey podcast network does for me i mean i send this off they edit it and i appreciate their perseverance and their really wanting to work with me, but I got to tell you guys, I'm burnt. I don't really feel like doing it anymore. Um, yeah, just no, you know, there's not, I don't make a lot of money anymore or anymore. I don't make a lot of money. Um, I got to hustle for what I got and I put a lot of time and effort into this. And because it takes up such a big part of my life, I guess uh, people all think, Oh yeah. Tales from TR and, but there's no money in it, none. So like, just to let you know, some of the things, so one of the things that I'm like associated with, it almost defines me, you know, and it, it does, it, it takes time and, and, you know, especially if you want to be consistent and, you know, you got to watch yourself the night before and everything. I would never be hung over and do this. Well, I mean, I guess technically I would, but I haven't yet. I don't like to present, put something out there, educational and, well, Educational, I don't know if that's the right word, but <laughs> informative if I'm hungover. Uh, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, um, I appreciate you all. I, I, I guess I got a book coming out, <laughs> I should say. What a time to stop doing a podcast. Uh, and I don't want to say I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm at a crossroads with it. I don't really enjoy it anymore. <clears throat> um, uh, that being said, 
That being said, get ready for our first guest <laughs> in, a, in two months or whatever it's been. Uh, in any case, I love Ken Reed. You're going to get a great guest here today. We're going to banter. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to keep going. I got a new book coming out called Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore. I'm at least going to do this for the next month or so to promote that because I know some people are listening still. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I need some sales. So it's called Fights, Film, and Folklore. It's with Fanker, Flanker Press. Uh, stay tuned. I will um, definitely be posting where and when to buy. Uh, there will be some pre-orders and everything coming. But more importantly, we got a guy who came out. Uh, my book's supposed to come out in October. Well, this one is just coming out, I think, today or tomorrow. Ken Reed, uh, One to Remember, I believe is the name of the book. It's about players, 39 players who scored one goal in the NHL and their stories. It's just fantastic. Without further ado, I'm going to invite him to the meeting right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back with the unbelievable Ken, the killer Reed. Okay, I'm here with Ken, the killer Reed. My guest, as I mentioned, I haven't looked at his hat yet. You told me he had a great hat. I'm going to look at it right now. Ken, it's bright. Looks like a Kitchener Rangers. Okay. Well, oh, Cornerbrook Royals. Nice. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Is, that, is that from our excursion a couple of years ago out in Cornerbrook on Hockey Day in Canada? That is, uh, that is from Stephen Brunt. He was out when he did a story on Cornerbrook uh, prior to Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. That. He picked me up this hat. So there you go. Cornerbrook Royals. Beautiful. I, I Harry, spent, plugged yeah. in four years with the Cornerbrook Royals, Kenny. Yeah, you're, uh, you and Landon Sim are my two favorite Cornerbrook Royals. And, <laughs> and, and Robbie Forbes, and Robbie Forbes, of course. And Robbie Forbes, Sidney Crosby's yeah. uncle. There's a name mm -hmm. folks can look up, Robbie Forbes. And unbelievable numbers wherever he went. Yep, um, absolutely. Yeah, his hockey DB page when he went to Europe is absolutely insane. I wish his was Newfoundland not, numbers were on there. Not, not only that, like, and the Newfoundland League at that time, if you hear the odd meow can, it's just my, my kitty's going... She's going stir crazy. She got cabin fever. That's it. She's a good kitty. She gets cabin fever in the middle of the day. So if you hear that, please excuse. Please excuse no the problem. Man. I, I rescued her. I, I never thought I'd have a kitty, but I rescued her. She was at the uh, SPCA, and my daughter hit me on a rather warm, fuzzy day. So I oh, you're the bubbles of Mount Pearl. You got it. Now, I forgot to do your intro. Uh, it's okay. The, you the can do it now if you'd like. Yeah, I'll just, I'm all I'll for just do it. You pop my tires, I'll listen. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to have my next guest for you this evening, or I guess whenever the hell you want to listen. He is a tantalizing talker, a hilarious host, a natural Nova Scotian, a quaint acquaintance, a blissful buddy, a delightful dad, a faithful father, a bodacious beer leaguer, a scintillating sports netian, a consummate gentleman he once lived in Edmonton. He's not from Leduc. <laughs> but he knows Dennis Marouk. Clear yeah. the track, he worked with Eddie Shack. We have some beer and we watch live bands on his excursion to my home, Newfoundland. He's a pretty good dude and not a crook. Hell, he even wrote the foreword to my book. He tells great stories when we're at the pub and he just wrote a book regarding the one goal club. When he makes a pass, he likes it to saucer and oh my God, he's a hell of an author. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when you think McDavid, you think speed. When you think hockey books, you think about my next guest, my buddy, Ken, the killer, Reed. And here he is officially. 
Nice. Well done. I love that you got scintillating in there. Nice Danny Galvanism. That was awesome. <laughs> Danny Galvanism, <laughs> it is. Scintillating yeah. save, wasn't it? He used to... Uh... And they'd say, they'd say, that's not a word. And Danny would say, well, it is now. <laughs> yes. A cannonading drive, a scintillating save. Savardi and Spinorama. Yeah, Danny Galvin was the master, the master. Actually, I had a viewer send me about a 10, 11-page book that he presented to Danny Galvin of all Danny Galvin's Galvinisms. Because uh, he knows I'm a big Danny Galvin fan. I play in the Danny Galvin, yeah, playing the Danny Galvin Cystic Fibrosis Tournament every year in Halifax. Couldn't make it this year because of COVID. But uh, yeah, big Danny fan. Another great Nova Scotian. And of course, a Cape Bretoner, Terry, so not too far from Newfoundland. Yeah, no wonder. So was he one of your, this isn't on my list, but was he one of your inspirations? Absolutely. Wow. Uh, I, I remember Danny Galvin from a, a little, little guy. And Bob Cole as well, and Dick Irvin. And my father is good friends with Danny's son, Danny Jr. And uh, it's been a great thrill to become uh, become acquaintances and friends with the Galvin family in the last few years, just Goodness. working with their golf tournament. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm I'm such a big fan of Danny Galvin. And the more I do the golf tournament, uh, from doing the golf tournament, I realize what kind of a person he was, not just what kind of an announcer he was. And uh, the the work he does for cystic fibrosis uh, in his name that that his family still does is absolutely incredible. And his, uh, his son's a great guy is his granddaughter's a great girl, Lindsay, uh, and Lindsay married a guy named Dan, which I think is great. Um, they're, oh they're, they're, they're an awesome, awesome, awesome family. You're starting to, you know, you know what? You're starting to be like Ron McLean. You're no, you're no, no. all this information and it stays up there. And then it just comes spurting out at, at random times not that that was random but you're, you're gathering a lot of information and all these like ron's hockey card stories had, and one goal to remember and all this stuff yeah they're all little snippets you're gathering so much information because mm -hmm. i'm going so. back over hockey card stories yeah and I, you know there's, there's it's almost desensitizing when you're when you're taking in so much information so i've gone back now to reading like one or two and then i'll yeah. wait and, you know, whether it's on the shitter or whether, wherever it yeah. is, it's they're You're not perfect the first guy to say that. <laughs> or if I got, or if I, I do a lot of background work on Hudson and Rex, so I'll take it with me, read a story or two, close Thank it. You. Because otherwise, if I, I find if I read like 10 in a row, uh, it's too much now. Now, so most readers, most listeners, yeah, it's fine. I, you know, like anything, I guess. But most listeners now know you and they know this is the third or fourth time you've been on one of my podcasts. But, but. For those who need their memory shaken a little bit, so you've got how many books out now, Ken? Uh, one to remember will be my sixth. And by the way, I'll do your podcast any day of the week because it gives us an excuse to talk for two hours nonstop. And my exactly. wife can't get mad at me for being on the phone for two hours. <laughs> we're doing business, right? I know, exactly. especially during these times because yes. you would have made it here at least in May and I would have been in Toronto one, one or two times during the summer. Exactly. So, and and that, that, that I found really odd it started to hit home you know covid was covid when we were all inside and we literally couldn't go outside for like months mm -hmm. but then as things started to approach some sort of normal yeah. i found as time went on especially when i was in pei without you yes or or any guests i, I just yeah I, I i found that hard to deal with so how have you been keeping yeah. your summer i guess you're yeah. in the epicenter yeah. of hockey yeah anyways. you're still you know what golf. i said that exact thing to my wife last night I said, it seems like it's gotten back to normal. And I think there's probably a second wave coming. But I said, I had a good summer in the sense that 
like I'll I'll be honest, I we got we got out of town for a few months this summer. Uh just we got a place not far from a couple hours from Toronto in Prince Edward County, Wellington, home of the Wellington Dukes. Oh ah. yeah, not far from Belleville, right? Yeah, uh yeah, did Danny Danny Cleary play in Belleville? He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fireman line. Seacord, yeah. Seacord Mills, Brian Seacord, Craig Mills, and uh, Danny Cleary. There you go. Had like 90 points as a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old to start the year. Oh, wow. Great. So, so, late birthday. So not far from Belleville. And uh, we had a nice summer, but I said to my wife, I miss my normal summer and the stuff that I do. Like, we get to go to a lot of cool events. A lot. Of, I yes. do a lot of golf tournaments, and I really missed you guys in PEI this year. And that's when it hit me, like, geez, I'm not in PEI with the boys. I didn't yeah, get to go to Halifax with Danny Galvin because that PEI crew, that's a good crew. You know, great time. Like, like uh, Langer was there one year. and uh, He was there he this had, year. By the way, I just saw a fight on, I retweeted it, a fight with uh, Langer and Marty McSorley preseason. Oh, Beautiful. Billy McCurry just sitting back watching it today. I know, but just we, watching. But we don't want to get into that, Terry, because nobody likes that stuff. Well, but, um, yeah, it, it nobody hasn't knows, been a normal I think, summer. I think people do what I've, I think Twitter brings out the worst in people more than it brings out the best. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like the news cycle. Like you're going to see more negative stories and I've often brought that up. And then some newscasters will say to me, I know, but like, let's just say if we did like, you know, happy this and happy that and just more stuff hits home, like in tragedies Mm -hmm. when I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So when it comes to Twitter, I'm getting somewhere with this. There's a lot of non-fans, right? And I, I respect it. I get into it all in my new book, Shameless Plug, uh, f- Fights, Film, and Folklore. But uh, having wrote, written the foreword, you know where I'm getting with this. So, like, I kind of – because there's differences. And, and, and with Twitter, say, well, it brings – it, it, it very rarely brings out the best in somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how could it? But it, it often brings out the worst or, or what you're – and that could be an accident. I, I could go on there and have a bad day and write something and literally the next day, wow, or two years later go, was that the same person? But what I find it does when it comes to sports and rules and cultures, often people that are just on there – because some people are on Twitter because they like to be on there. They like to just yes. – you know, they like to get a rise out of – and they don't necessarily like hockey or baseball or ballroom dancing or the opera – but they're going to shit on it because they're going to, they're just negative people. And so I find often it's easy to cast off all the fighting as barbarianism and, and you know, whatever it might be, yep. but you still, because of the optics firsthand, but you still, there's, I don't care what you say in all those other sports, there's fighting, right? There's, there's technically no fighting in hockey because it's a penalty. Right? You get kicked out. Exactly. Yeah, so, you get five minutes. You get five minutes. Yeah, you minutes. get five minutes. So we're talking about the level of time that you should be penalized. And it's hard to tell a traditionalist because people, like you just said, Billy McCreary, you stand back and you watch. There's a level of respect that comes with it Absolutely. entering that's not in the other sports. Look at the football last year. A guy took off a helmet and kicked a guy in the head. You got basketball turned, you, you know, it, it's just a lot of cheap baseball. I love baseball brawls watching them, but there's a lot yes. of cheap shots going on. There's, there's not this one person saying, okay, you hit me, you're the pitcher, I'm the batter, let's square off, the umps are going to let us go. It, it sounds almost crazy to think of, but that is what they do in hockey. So yes. there is a different approach, and no matter what people say, a traditionalist in hockey who likes that part of the game is a little different than someone in soccer who likes it because Correct. it's just different traditionally. I just took 
was that even a question or an answer? I'm not really sure. Both, but do do you both. agree? And what do you think about that? Here's the deal. Uh, not the, the entire world isn't on Twitter. I don't care what people say on Twitter, to be honest. If people care what I think on Twitter, that's great. But I'm not, I don't poll the world by going on Twitter. Uh, a certain pound, part of the segment is on Twitter. A certain part of the segment is not on Twitter. I think people that base their decisions on what is posted on social media are doing it the wrong way. Um, in terms of uh, hockey fights, I think John Scott's had a great thing last week on his pod. He basically hit on the place, uh, the, the lack of the enforcer. The, the, this is what the hockey world wanted. So now we're in a Stanley Cup final where Braden points not 100%. Steve Stamkos isn't on the ice. Well, if you want no enforcers in hockey, guess what's going to happen? The stars are going to get hurt more often. Stars are always, everyone's always going to get hurt. The stars are going to get hurt more often. I think in hockey, we have to try to stop explaining hockey to non-hockey people. Uh, the role of the enforcer, I thought our ice guardians did an awesome job explaining that, explaining yeah. the honor with it. When people meet a tough guy, they're shocked by how nice they are. And like Brad May says, well, of course you have to be a nice guy to stick up for your 19 buddies, right? Yeah, so, that's a great point. I'm going to remember that. Good, so, good, good so, job, so, Mayday. So people need to understand that. Um, but I wanted to get into Terry. I, I, I am, a, you know, I'm a hockey traditionalist, but I'm telling you, man, I think the game needs to make some changes. Um, the NFL is always changing to reward offensive teams. The NBA yeah. changes to reward offensive teams. Yeah. The NHL has to do something. The New York Islanders. Anthony Stewart made a great point the other night on Hockey Night in Canada. Other teams could learn from them. What they did was great, but the, to me that's scary yeah. because they suck the life out of a game. And it's easier to suck the life out of a game to try to outscore an opponent. But we've got to remember we're in the entertainment business. I'm sure New York Islanders fans were entertained by the way the Islanders play and total respect to Barry Trotz and the team for playing that way and buying into a system that was effective for them. But, man, was that boring. Really? And, that, and that can't be good for the game. And if you want the game to grow, there are more than casual fans who wouldn't watch that New York Islanders team because it's just yeah. mind-numbing. You got and and for hockey people, I get it. What they did was clinical, it was precision, it was a good team game, but entertainment-wise, it was boring. And I think the National Hockey League has to really address. Remember when Canada had that hockey summit around '98? Like after '98, we got to fix this. I think I the do. NHL has the NHL has to get together. And come up with some out-of-the-box ideas. I've been anti-bigger nets for years. Make them an inch bigger on in each side. I, I hear this, you. And, and I got this one idea. And somebody actually floated at me on Twitter, too, but I've been saying it for a while. I want one coach and one trainer on the bench, and the coach can have no communication with anybody else during the game. You can have as many assistant coaches as you want. They can come down during the intermissions. But I want one coach on the bench to encourage chaos because chaos is mistakes. Mistakes are chances. Chances are goals. But I think that's a great, great point. Yeah, yeah. the way that the way that defensive mind numbing hockey is rewarded. It's it's a scary slope. We you got to entertain, man. You got to entertain. No, when I say a, a, a traditionalist in some senses and I'm almost referring to I don't know if I am. I'm, I'm you know, like, hey, to quote Socrates right again there. I know you like that quote, but, you know, I, I don't know if it's a quote, but. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. I did a course studying those guys, and that was the beginnings of. Well, shouldn't really say that, but it's a long time ago. It was some of the beginnings of, you know, the, the, I think they call it the dialectic. Like you have to, you have to. Things are always changing, so you have to mm -hmm. talk. You have to get one side and the other. It's very hard now in American politics, for example, because there's yeah. no talking going on. There's yelling and there's there's lying, and, and and when you get to that point, not much good comes out of it. Not much good change, yeah. um, but. In hockey, I agree. Uh, 
It is. And watching, that's why I was glad that uh, Tampa Bay, a couple of those games dissected them because, you know, and, and again, people think, oh, well, you like Tampa and you like the small guys with speed. I'm like, no, not at all. Tampa are huge. Their defensemen are huge. They're, uh, to me, it's yeah. a great mix of, of, of toughness and of uh, speed. But it is alarming to find guys getting run and no one's doing anything. It's and, uh, crazy. And, and I do like your idea because people often come to me around. One guy said it on Twitter yesterday. He's like, oh, you know, there's so many leagues and the, most guys in the NHL, it doesn't matter. They're interchangeable. I don't agree with that. And, and no, people come, no. People come here and watch senior hockey and they'll often go, come down and they think they're doing me a favor. They'll pat me in the back and go, sure, I'd rather watch you guys than those guys up in the NHL. It's not exciting. You guys are better. I'm like, no, we're not better. There's more mistakes happening on the ice. Correct. That's what's happening. And you're Correct. seeing it, and, and the fans are going mad, and we're winning eight to six. But you know, some kind of don't mistake. Well, you know, we a structure for 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 weaker for inferior right. hockey. It's just that if it's too structured, and we go structure on the side of defense. Yes. See, New Jersey Devils. This happened. Yes, this halted that's the whole it. thing. That's years it. Ago. That's it. And but but with respect to the Islanders, I think what they did was smart. You'd be foolish to try and play it any other way. Yes. So there's, but there's, there's 26 teams in the NHL that play it out the way, and there's five to try to outscore you. Well, the outscore, the most entertaining game I was to all year, watched all year, was a, it was a December 22nd, I believe, afternoon game, Toronto and Carolina. I believe the final was eight six or eight seven. It was madness. Both teams probably wanted to get the hell out of there, get their holidays underway with. Their yeah. minds weren't in it. It was great. Mistakes, like man. Mistakes. I like your idea the about game. the coach. I never yeah. thought about that. I think know, it'll like, introduce chaos, right? Because some guys will they won't be reminded, or they think they can get away with something because they're not like get berated when they go back. What, to you know game. what I hate seeing? I, I, yeah, I, I, and even though it's effective, and like you said, if it, if it's within the rules, do it. Sure. Um, but if, if it can help your team, I mean, you would only you want to keep your job, you want to keep your fans, you want you know, so it only makes sense. But it, um. As you watch that take place, as you watch a guy like Matt Barzal have to play within the structure, it's almost saddening. Right? It is, in a way. You watch, yes, you're right. right? You're Whereas right. I love watching Patrick Kane and just take it. There's only so many players in the league anymore that I find dynamic enough to be so interested to watch, right? And you get right. this McDavid. And that's right. why Crosby, wanna... Crosby still does something, five things every game that, sure. that stand out. But, you know. To, to I want to see creativity. I, and yeah. you only you only uh, You only – try to be creative when you're given the freedom to make mistakes. That's why junior hockey can be so entertaining at sometimes, right? Because of mistakes. And like you're saying about the senior hockey mistakes, but when it's a system and guys buy in and I totally get them buying in because that's what you got to do to win. And I would, I, I mean, I do not fault anyone on the Islanders or in their organization for playing that way. I'm just saying the league is rewarding teams that play that way. And that is boring hockey. And I want to see, I want to see, man, I want to see the 1985, not even the Edmonton Oilers. I want to see the 1985 Hartford Whalers against the 1985 Minnesota North Stars. I want to see 6-5. I know. And, I and maybe I'm, maybe I'm not smart enough. And that, but you know what? The average fan wants to see that. No, I always do the mum test, right? If my mom says, Kenny, did you see the game last night? I know it's a good game. And I know she's bought in. No mothers are calling their sons going, did you see the New York Islanders game last night? That's not entertaining. <laughs> I know. 
We're an entertainment product, so find a way to entertain. You are because yeah, that's you right. can't do it through fighting anymore, evidently, because that's not allowed, encouraged yeah. or allowed in the game. But yet, when there's a scrap, everyone stops. And I'm not advocating line brawls every night. I know, I know exactly. Like like anything, there's a happy medium. Like like I Correct. said, the conversation going ahead. If someone had, there was times in the '90s, I didn't have to have 34 fights in the A. I didn't have to be fighting guys that come out there and you know. I, I love all of them. I love it. I get into it in my book, of course. I love them. But there was some guys that were, there was a there was a time there. Like my dad will often say, like you know, you might see some of the uh, the Broad Street bullies, and it looks crazy, and and it was, and it was, mm-hmm. but that led into the '80s. But like Dave Schultz had 20 goals, Chris Nyland, Bob Probert, most of these guys could score. And then it, you got into a point in the '90s, there started to be people that were hired guns, and right. I had to fight those guys, and it was a. Right. Now, I get it though; they were all great people, but, and they were great in the room, and they were great. But if, if I get that, that was a bit extreme, but. I find it hard not to have not to get elbowed in the face, or see it happen to somebody. Or these guys digging at the goalie. It used to be a no. Oh, it's crazy! If you touch the goalie, it's all game on. And nothing happens in men's league. It's game on. I can't. And now the NHL nothing happens. I I just shake my head. I I can't believe it. So that's gone. When when I see it now, that's officially gone because you couldn't rub the goalie. Now you can pat him on the head and skate by, and nothing happens. Honest to God, what's that? Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That would get you decapitated back in the day. But here's the other thing that the tough guy brought. And Bob Probert scored 28 goals one year. Why did Bob Probert get 28 goals? Room. Room. He made room for himself. Guys didn't want to go near him. He made room. Now, as soon as you get the puck, there's somebody in your face. There's no room on the ice anymore. No. Is that because the players are bigger? No, it's because they're faster. And there's no little hooks. There's no little picks, right? So what do you do to create more room? Because room equals time, which equals better plays. Exactly. There's no room anymore either, man. No, I, I totally agree. But I don't know if I'd – I think if people – like, I'd leave the fighting in, of course. But mm-hmm. but I think if you maybe made the ice a bit bigger. because Not then, international size, because then you're trying to – you're so far away from the net, right? And getting to the net is tough. Yeah, but let's just say – I know, but a lot when – you're, when you're talking – like some guys, I don't, I don't want to pick on anybody, but let's just say in the minors, some guy, there were some guys I played with that sh- could never really play professional hockey if, if they had to skate just a little bit more because they, they could fight. They had just enough balance to be able to like – and just big in their neck. You couldn't see it. look like <laughs> ultimate fighter guys. Yeah. But I think you would eliminate that because if they just had to skate a little bit further – I used to feel frustrated sometimes because I'm like, I'm out here. I know I'm one of the talented players on the ice, but it's so hard to get free. But as it got further and further into this era, I thought I would like this more, and, and I don't. And I'm saying no. this from a players. So, you know, it's probably over now with COVID, but I still play senior, and our seniors, all guys that come back, it's really just a, a, another extension of the major junior that they've they've been playing or the college or the pro, and that's pretty much – our senior over here is pretty good. So what I'm saying is that I'm seeing a relative level of what goes on out there. And even though there's more room, I, I don't like the digging at the go. And, and and there's more open ice hits with no repercussions. And I find those harder on my head than a punch. Yeah. Um, but, but that being said, excitement as well. And and that's why I think, and, and I don't have all the answers, but I, I'd love, like I'd like to know everything that goes on at these board of governors meetings and things. Cause like even that little thing that you just said about the one coach, mm-hmm. uh, I also, I hate when they bring out the, the iPad 
I'm like, oh gosh, now you're just it's another like, thing. Get rid of get, get rid all, of all the monitors shit. and all the iPads off the bench. That get should be illegal. Off the bench. It should be illegal. Like, and you if know, you want to if you want to replay, call it with your naked eye. Yeah, and you want to watch yeah. the game when you go home, watch it. But it's starting yeah. to get yeah, it's and that's great. what I mean. Yeah. That just because what robotics. is that doing? It's robotics and it's eliminating mistakes. Yeah. Right. Mistakes no, I, are the key to the game. Ken Dryden, right? But I mean, I, I think that uh, I don't have the answers either. I have some ideas, but I like, I think they, some people should get together, bring in non-hockey fans too. Give me some out of the box ideas, like simple things. The NBA, Totally. Right? That, that's, that's exactly what I mean. If we could right. just pull all these ideas, right. and, and throw then, them at somebody and just right. three or four of a hundred could come out of that. I think it would Correct. be yeah. like the NBA, little things. So you call, you get scored on and there's one second left. You call a timeout. Well, you get the ball at the other end of the court. Yeah, I love that. Should you? No. No. But what does that. it make for? It makes for an exciting finish. Right? I know, so yeah, I love it. Entertaining the fan. Yeah. Things like that, like the, the ABA brought in the three-point line, right? Just crazy things Wait, wait, like wait, that. wait, wait. The ABA? I believe brought in the three-point line in the 70s, yeah. There was no three-point line in the NBA back then. I was, I didn't, okay. I was talking about that the other day. I said, I wonder, because if you go way back, I was, I listened to Bill Burr's podcast, The Comedian, yeah. and he yeah. always talks about the old school. So I'll throw on, like, I don't even know much about football in the fifties, but I'll throw it on. I'll throw on uh, basketball in the fifties and sixties. I wanted to see how did Will Chamberlain get a hundred points. Yeah. But there's times that I don't see a three point line and yeah, I never so really looked into it. Don't quote me on it, but the ABA three point line. Uh, wow. But that's huge. A, so I believe Google it if you want. I'm no basketball. In any case, not. there wasn't one. And then there was one. Correct. Right. It so, doesn't go back like hockey. Like, you know, like, actually if you go further and far enough back in hockey, wasn't there a Rover? So shit's well, always changing. There used to not be a forward pass, right? Oh, yeah. There used to be. So no it used forward. to be like rugby. No forward pass. So think, you think there's hitting in the 70s and the 80s. Well, you Imagine know what's that. crazy is that. Always used to not be able to go down on the ice, Terry. It's incredible. You know, you know what is. Down. You know what's incredible within that incredibleness is that I like going back and reading about the people. Because, like, say right now if they made that rule, it would suck. But the players that were great during that time, it's not yeah. their fault. Not right? their so, fault. So exactly. there was players, like, that must have been incredible at, at just playing it that way. And yes. I'd love to watch them because oh they, they're God. not even playing the same game, but they no. kind of are. You know, like, so here, like, it'd be crazy. Here's another one I have, which will never happen because of fan safety, and I totally understand it. And safety of the fans should be foremost. Used to be no plexiglass around the boards, right? Then you got about a f- foot and a half, two feet of glass. I'd like to see back the foot and a half, two feet of glass because what yeah. would that incur uh, and keep that delay a game penalty? Because yep. then it just wouldn't be D, slap it off the glass, D, slap it off the glass, D, slap it off the glass. Love you'd it. Make, you'd have to make a pass. Again, if there's more passes, there's more pickoffs, more mistakes. That'll never happen because of fan safety. I get that. And please bring the red line back in. Please bring the red line back in. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I hear you. But a lot of that, and when people say that this is the other thing I hate when people go, well, he's from this era, so he wouldn't be able to last in this era. I'm like, in this mm-hmm. era, there's no red line, and no one's hooking you and holding in. It's all built for speed. Don't tell me that Pavel Bure or Sergei Fedorov or even Wayne Gretzky, because people say, oh, you know, he wasn't a good skater. I'm like, he's a bullet. I don't know. I think he's so humble, and he's answered all these questions over the years. And if you watch now Wayne Gretzky at any interview, he'll always give everybody else the credit, and he'll always, I wasn't this, and I I was a 6 out of 10 in this. I don't think. I think he was a 10 out of 10 passer. He was a 9 out of 10 skater. I think it was the hockey IQ is unmatched. But I know he he might have looked a little awkward because of the way his black blades and he – 
with the blue blades and the jersey tucked in, and he was a bit deceiving. But deceiving, uh, right? So yeah. there's being <laughs> there's being timed in a race, right? There's being yeah. timed in a race, and then there's chasing a guy. Tell me when Wayne Gretzky didn't win a race for the puck. My favorite now, you, ever. My favorite ever is that Calgary goalie gets an overtime. Shorty, the Mike shorty Burnham. up top corner of Mike Burnham. The shorty. Yeah, now perfect people, camera angle. The hockey night in Canada, you will always see the shot go up in the top corner. Watch five seconds before that shot takes place. Watch him turn on the afterburners. Absolutely. Not, and there was nobody catching him. And his, and you know, Will comes into it too, right? Will. And you know, as a shooter, how tough picking that corner cross body is on the tendy, shooting left oh, side yeah. from the left wing, going across the net. Well, exactly. It's it's not easy. Not easy, and especially not when the odds are it's Wayne Gretzky, and you know he's probably shooting there, and he still puts it there. He still Look does at Lemieux. it. When Lemieux comes down oh, to the goalie, you know he's going top glove. You know it. You know it. It's just yeah. he's got to sneak it around your glove, but yeah. he's going there. <laughs> so those are my. Those are a few ideas I have to change the game. And and what I want to say is, when people go, "Oh, what, don't you love the game?" I absolutely love the game, and that's it's like a. It's like a house. You got to care for your house, right? You can't just build it in 1960 and then not paint it again and not fix. Check the furnace filter. I want to keep evolving, like you said, Terry. And I want to see the game be more entertaining to the casual fan and to the non-hockey fan to draw them in. Because for the hardcore, it's always going to be a great game, right? Like we, yes. we're, we're dissecting the Derek Islanders going, this is great. Look at this play. This is great. From a clinical standpoint, it's great. But I... I, you know, once we get into clinical, you're, you're going to lose a broad, broad base of potential fans, I think. I totally agree. And reminder to everybody that the game has always changed. I think a lot of people look back but again, again. I know I sound hypocritical because I say that fighting thing, but I'm just saying, and I, that's been in there for years and years and years, and I'm just saying it's a different approach than the other sports. I understand the argument against it. I'm just on one side of the fence. But I get it. If, if, you didn't have, if, if people that were against it didn't have the conversation, we'd still have fucking people out, you know, fighting every shift, and you don't want that either. But, but uh, like the Le Cavalier Ginla, there you go. Without that's going fine. any further, that's one of my favorite fights ever, that sort of thing. And that sort of thing happens... I don't think it happens frequently enough now, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, but the things people look back, see at their childhood and Brunt also made a point years ago. He said like when you're nine or 10 or 11, yeah. around that area, that's you, a Kenny you, Dryden uh, thing too, right? Is that's it? Your, is it Ken Dryden? Your, is it? That's okay. your goal in air. When you're ten, get, not, nothing looks as pure as to the eyes of a 10 year old, right? Okay. Your, your favorite player will always be this. Yeah. So you often go back to that and you romanticize the past, but mm -hmm. tell me any decade in hockey that the game not only didn't change, didn't change drastically, uh, whether it was goalies wearing helmets, uh, right? Whether it was the sticks yeah. becoming curved, curves, right? Or, yeah. uh, players wearing helmets, goalies wearing masks, I guess. Sticks becoming, well, uh, you know, the, the, the change from wood stick to one piece just kind of happened. But I mean, all it made everybody a shooter, man. It made everybody, it made everybody a, shooter. a shooter. It made Sheldon, it turned Sheldon Surrey into the all time leading single season Canadians. Uh, goal scoring defenseman, I know that. There you go. Um, and, and Sheldon will tell you that. I, I've often asked him because he was good. That handsome devil. Uh, yeah, and is he ever one of the best? Him and Jose Theodore, I think, are the best two cats I looking cats I've played with. But Sheldon will say that, and and because of that, no rules were really changed. But all of a sudden, you had to get you you had to get shot blockers or you had, or sticks or skate companies. Sorry had to make more reinforced skates. They had to because you're not going to block it. Right. But once and they made them, now all of a sudden when I realize I can block that and it doesn't hurt at all, 
Now right. you're going to get more shot blocking. So now when you watch those power plays, you know, you're often seeing pucks not get to the net. You'll see five block shots in one shift, which yes. you never saw before. My Wait, junior you, coach. When, when we to, watched the Habs, who was it? Craig Ludwig and Geek Craig Ludwig. Nobody yes, else. Nobody and else. He, nobody. In fact, people would, like, I remember my coach showing Bob Lauks and Junior and, and me and Lankow especially because we killed all the penalties. Um, well, Everybody did, but I'm saying we, we were an example of two of our top players that actually killed all the penalties as well. We got all kinds of ice time. Uh, but he would show us how to angle the stick so it so the puck would, wouldn't hit our face but would go up in yeah. the crowd. Yeah, and exactly. Like, you know, because he's like, no, a lot of lengths. You don't want to be blocking that with your shit. It's going to no. hit your laces and blood break that your ankle. Out there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So even if it was a restriction on equipment, right, you, well, you, you would see people, yeah. uh, you know, tend to i don't want to see be less brave but you know their game would adjust accordingly but well, it's know, my it's it's my it's my mandate to make the goalie equipment smaller i know they have but mother of mercy of pearl it is still so damn big still watch really a, big watch a junior goalie the kid's 160 pounds he looks like a i don't know he looks like the big show from the wwe it's just a joke my little guy went next this year he can hardly move in the stuff so, like yeah so like no that, way that's too something big. that there, so people come in if they don't want the nets bigger, and if they right they look at the game and they say, "Oh, well, you know, he had this to shoot on," or in the eighties, okay, so make it the same. Make like, it I, the same. Make it the you same. See, I don't know why I they don't. I always say, I always say, look at a hockey card of a goalie in the eighties, and there's a strange thing behind the goal you can see. It's called netting. It's actually <laughs> in the net. There's twine. A shooter had a target, so Gila Fleur was rewarded for a good shot. Now it's just boop, and it's gonna hit you. Go, goalies don't make saves anymore, TR. They play yeah. the odds. Right? Yeah. And there was a Hudobin glove save the other night. It was awesome. That's the kind of save I want to see. saw that, yeah. Right? I, I don't want to see boop. And that's why I loved watching Dominic Hasek in the era he played in. Just flopping all over the place. And I, 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 I love these guys, but like in my draft year, for example, Martin B. Ron was big and John Sebastian G. Gear. G. Gear did more for that angling than, you know, Absolutely. It, it, and, and I, and then, I love them. They're going to do what they can to get ahead, yeah, but they were yeah. great goalies. And if you gave mm -hmm. them smaller gear, they still would have been the best goalies in their right. class. Um, I just, yeah. And yeah. you know how big Marty was outside of his equipment. He was yeah. like six to 150 pounds. But yeah, in yeah. his equipment, he looked gigantic on the ice. Exactly. So uh, Jaguar was a great butterfly goalie, Francois Lair school, right? And yeah. you're playing the odds and I, he did it absolutely the right way. But the, the interesting thing people forget about the butterfly thing, the, people say Tony Esposito brought it in, but the first guy to do it all the time was Patrick Waugh in 86, and he did it with that small equipment. He right? He, small you look team. at his shoulders from the 86, yeah. from that cup run. He did it. Man, he was probably bruised up. I'm sure he was. Well, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Can, if we can make a bulletproof vest, you know, an inch or two thick, I think we can protect goalies. I know, I know. And, uh, yeah, yeah, really, really. If I could talk about that for forever. Um, but yeah, it, that that's why we're getting a little bit away from that era. There are probably fans that don't really know how good Dominic Hasek was because of the stats. But go back and watch him play. And to an extension, if there's if there's a couple today, I like I like that Corey Crawford for that reason. I, I'm not totally sold that he's one of the best goalies, but damn, I love watching him. <laughs> I love watching right. Him. I like Hudobin the same way. Yes, it's a little Hudobin. bit of a, it's a little bit of a fire drill. Right. By the way, by the way. Drill. I was surprised when I looked that he had that many games played in the NHL. Like I, he's been everywhere. He's been everywhere, but he's played like 30 and 40 games as a backup. Some backups, especially now in my era, backups. I remember the guy in Calgary. Uh, uh, what year? 
Calgary. He was began with a K. He was a European goalie. He played all those years. Not Kerry Taco. No, no. This was like you know the two thousands. But he played like seventy eight games one year. Grant Fuhr Roman Turek. Like- Roman Turek. Hey, he was busy in Calgary when I was there. No, no. We're not Kippersoff, is it? Oh, Kippersoff, Mika. Okay. Yeah, Mika yeah, was yeah. playing all the time. Yeah. He, he played like 70-odd games. Yeah, Grant Beer like, played, what, 78% for St. Louis? 78. Well, my, my buddy Brian Boucher was the backup in Calgary, and you wouldn't even know he played there because right. he only played, I think, one or two games. He was there. Right. All, that's wild. So Right, yeah. So you Kudoma, need an effective backup now, right, because of all the back-to-back games on the back-to-back yeah, yeah. Now backups right. play. I, I was surprised. I knew he was mostly a backup. But I looked the other day at, at Hockey DB and I was like, whoa, like 41 games, 37 games, 39 games. And some, some great stats. I love save percentage over goals against him, like 9-3-1 and 9-2-7. And I'm going all these. So this isn't as much of a uh, lightning in a bottle as I, I thought at first because he's no, playing. It was awesome. Yeah, he was a um, great goalie, man. Well, who do you think is going to win? Who do, who do you, I mean, now, obviously, the odds are with Dallas. but uh, I'm, hoping for, I'm hoping for Dallas because of Rick Bonus, nice Nova Scotia guy, uh, great family. They've done a lot up for hockey in Nova Scotia, Maritime NHLers for kids. Rick's one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. Yeah. So uh, I'm clearly in uh, Dallas's corner. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't really know who's going to win. I'm the worst sports gambler in the world. Um, but again, like I mean, Tampa's got no stamp coast. They got maybe what? How much percentage of Braden Point? So you got to find a way to do it. I'd say it at this time of year, but it's never been this time of year before. That means it's for the playoffs. But uh, if Hudobin <laughs> keeps if Hudobin keeps going this way, I don't see Dallas losing, right? Because you know, get a hot goalie, man. Get on a and run. Remember, Juan ninety three. Don't these guys remind you of the ninety three Canadians? They just kind of hang around, hang around, yeah. hang around, hang around, and. By the and, end of the night, they find that one winning goal. And big they guys. Remind me of the 93 like, Habs. And the Habs yeah. had some big – wasn't – like, um, well, uh, Scrudlin was there, but wasn't Bobby Smith there? Wasn't he No, there? he was, was gone by then. Was gone. They, he was there in 86 when they won it. Yeah, in 93, they had big Johnny LeClaire. He got a lot of big – Johnny LeClaire. Well, I'm just saying it because when I watched Dallas – on the point. Because a lot of people, it's – I think they might watch the stats or, like – the a rush on, on a team or, or, or watch some of the flash and they'll go, well, it's because Dallas is playing Tampa and they're both small and fast. And I've heard people say it. I'm like, what? They're not both small. and fa-. They're both no. fast, but I'm like, Jamie Benn will limb you in front of the net. He's the example of yeah. creating room. And I know you might not have to fight, but he will fight you if he got to. He'll cross-check you. He'll go there. And I don't want to hear anybody else. I've watched enough of Tyler Segan now to know that the guy puts everything into it. I've heard he trains like a madman off the ice. I've heard over the years, right? He likes to have a beer. Like, I don't care anymore. I don't give a fuck. So do I. I'm watching. Yeah. So do I. I'm watching him out there. He goes to the hard areas. He gets in scoring slumps here and there, but it's not from being timid. He goes there and, and, and him playing with, and, and Radulov is a man on a mission out there and he throws his weight around. Uh, I, I, and I, they got some big D Alexia. Like, I just think that, there's a lot of skill on display, but these teams, it's a battle to find room. Look how skilled Tampa's forwards sure. are, but yeah. they got beat four to one. Got and a guy, had a guy tweet me the other night, Sagan's no good. He's only got two goals. I'm like, you don't get it, do you? No. Dallas isn't playing for who has the most goals. <laughs> do you see him blocking shots? That's their game. Yeah, this right. game is blocking shots and grinding out a greasy 2-1 win and a 4-1 the other night's a bonus, but I love 4-1. that line with, Hints and Perry and the the Finnish kid whose name I can't say. I love it too. Right? Love it. Greasy, 
greasy, greasy line. Cool. But I had a good chat with Colby Armstrong the other day, and he said, look at these Dallas guys. Look at these old guys. Look at Ben. Look at Perry. These old them. guys, right? You don't pay them for the regular season. You pay them for now, right? Exactly. Like you, don't, you don't pay me, thir- Terry, for Wednesday night to read the teleprompter. You pay me for Thursday night when there's late breaking news at 9.59 and I'm on at 10, right? Like you got to exactly. find a way to grind it out and get it on. And I think that's what Dallas is doing. I think it is too. And I, and I love to see them doing it. And, and not that I don't like Tampa because I, I, I love that, that headman. I mean, he's a stud. I knew he huge. was good. I, I really paid attention when he first came in the league, Kenny, and he was good. He was real good. He had like 25, 30 points both years. And I kind of, I go, well, you know, I, I, my, my attention Again, he plays in Tampa, uh, so you don't see every game on TV. But now, and especially during COVID, when I'm watching like every second, um, uh, but I, I I I really love their skill and everything else. But yeah, I identify more with Dallas. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And to watch guys like Corey Perry, who once won the Rocket Richard Trophy, I think, um, or if if not, he came close. Uh, mm-hmm. And and to just do little things, and whether that's that's a pro, in, that's yeah, a pro, right? Slash a guy in the back of the legs off the, yeah. off the face off, uh, you know, dump it in and hit and hit and hit. I, I've said the Leafs. Why didn't the Leafs hit Seth Jones more or guys? Like, because it didn't fit into the computer spreadsheet of how to play the game. Yes, Barry, don't you know that. And I'm like, you know, just dumping in behind him and hit. What, what, no, most of what lose, Perry you does, can't lose possession of the puck, Terry. Yeah, right. Because no one wants to do that. But I'm like, if, if by the end of the game. Seth Jones gets hit 50 more times than you're doing it because you're not Thank doing it you. at all. And He's it's going a to be tired. Best, and it's a yeah. best of seven, right? It's Wear a best of seven. But they didn't go with that. But Dallas frequently goes with that, and their best players go with that. And for those listening, I will tell one example. The, the start of the game the other night, the 4-1 game. Now, it's a Stanley Cup final. There's, um, it's, it's Ben Radulov, uh, Sigan, I think. And Sigan, again, people say, how inconsistency is when the puck drops, he goes all out. They both go all out, all out, all out. Seagan gets if Tampa Bay wins the face off and he goes right at the far defenseman. Boom, hit, come back in, boom, boom. They're engaged. Their second shift. Seagan is leaving his feet to hit the and I'm going, this is a guy who went what second overall, I think. Um, you know, Boston got rid of him and, and you know after a cup and, and might maybe that looked worse than it was. Maybe Boston were just looking to improve their team, but it did look bad. I and mean, the rumors got out there about, you know, certain guys and Ben and Seagan and they're inconsistent. They like to have a beer. Well, by all Imagine I know that. is that there's two teams left and they're out there and they're giving their all every shift and they've lasted as long. What, how I could see if it was exhibition, but they're going as long as they possibly can. They still have energy and well, they're, they're leading their team. There's three things I love about Sagan right now. He's playing the game that, was nowhere on his scouting report when he was 18 year old for the yes. draft, right? Shooter, nose for the net. Now he's a shot blocker, grinder, all out hustle. Two, he has more tattoos than you. Three, <laughs> three. After the win against Tampa Bay, he had the quote of the series when he said, "Analytics are overrated." So there you go. That's love for oh, me. Love, and love for me. They are. They, like they you can't are. you can't measure what they're doing with analytics. No, definitely it, not. It goes, uh, it goes against it. But that's a whole other debate. Jeff Merrick will show. say, tell Merrick too. Merrick will say, well, everything's analytics, so you must love it. I'm like, well, yeah, everything technically is analytics. Technically, yeah. But, yeah. but you know what I'm talking about, Merrick. You're, you're yeah. analyzing the game, and well, in the first two shifts of the second period, he's usually yeah. more successful than in the fourth shift of the third period. You're going too deep. Fucking too deep. Hit the fucking guy. Sometimes <laughs> you can overthink it. But, but that's the other thing, right? Baseball. 
baseball isn't as entertaining as it used to be. Remember when they used to have the split screen when Tim Raines oh, would be yeah. on first and he, you'd be watching him? Yeah. Now you don't steal because stealing is a free out and you don't sacrifice. Well, guess what happened? We let the analytics guys take over baseball. Guess what happened? Baseball isn't as entertaining anymore. And I'll tell you one thing. Let's not let that happen to hockey. One reason that baseball, I'm blown away, that analytics really got the in pitchers, the way. The pitchers. The pitchers. Oh. Guy got taken out before the COVID. It was last year, I think. It was, it was around this time last year. Look it up. I'm telling you. He was in the seventh inning with a no-hitter, and he got taken out. Yeah, and I said, well. He was at 100 pitchers, and it was the third time through the order, probably. On, yeah, it was, it was that situation. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, my God, this is where we're at? This is yeah. where we're at now. Yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Your eyes, and nose do not ma- got- your eyes and nose do not matter anymore. Did you see the Blue Jays play Derek Fisher the other week in right oh field? Oh, my God. That was Les Nesman. Don't hit at the meal there. Well, I, right? honestly, I couldn't believe – when I, I turned on, I came home, I just turned on YouTube to get the quick highlights. And I saw this circus going on, and I was like, it must be a, a highlight of the worst. And then outside of the two ridiculous clown plays, there was the little, like the four more. There were a couple more, yes. Oh, man. Yeah. But you know what? I said I don't fault Derek Fisher at all. You, you fault the people the who put him in there consistently. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I fault the front office for having him there. Exactly. So anyway, I know that's kind of going on a little diversion, but I love this. Again, hockey often comes down to heart and will combined with skill, obviously. And I think we're seeing that from Dallas. We're just seeing a total buy-in, a total buy-in. And you got a Tyler Sagan out there blocking shots. To me, that's a total buy-in. Good, good for the but, game. It's good but, for the game if they win. But it, what's good kids. for the game for me would be uh, – uh, McDavid against Crosby or McDavid against Ovechkin in the cup final. So I'd well, like to go back to seeing a way to reward that skill and to let those teams, I'd like to see the most skilled teams and the most defensively minded teams be rewarded for that game instead of the defensive teams be rewarded. People for that say game. it can't but happen. I'm like, Oh really? Look at the Oilers. You can figure it out, man. It's e- it, but dynasties. We know they all had it. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot easier to coach defense than it is to coach offense. Yeah. Uh, make make some mistakes and, and figure out a way to, to reward offense. But we need we need a think tank on that one. Aside from you and I, aside you, from me in my bedroom and you in Mount Pearl, right? Exactly. Do you still have your Gretzky Jofa? Of course. And I got a Klima. I got a Klima Jofa now too. Where did you get the Gretzky Jofa? I got the Cle- uh, the Gretzky Jofa at Cleves Sporting Goods in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia in 1990. Wow. You actually bought it. You went in a store and bought Okay, 1990. Yeah, it was 29.95. The Klima, I'm guessing, you got online. Klima, I got online about a year ago. Yeah, I wore the Klima out on the ice the other day. You have two Jofas. You know, I'm the only player. I want a Denny Savard Jofa, too. I got the, the hunt out for that Denny Savard round one. Did I ever tell you I'm the only player ever to wear a Jofa in the CHL? Because it was a it was a contract, but I had a concussion. You guys had that. You guys had the they Cooper made, SK back then, or did you have we, the we Cooper? Did. Well, first year, first year, the Messier Winwell looking Cooper. Yeah, the SK two hundred. Yeah, I think Kelly Bookberg. Yep, the Lindros helmet. Yeah, and then second year it went to those other ones. So you got went. a Jofa? How? Because I had a concussion in ninety six, ninety seven, and I went back to finish the year in junior, and I got a special waiver to wear the helmet. Was it the Gazoo one from Flintstones? The I one? so wanted it to be the Gazoo one, and I yeah. battled and I battled, but no, it was one that they made me. But, oh uh, wow! In any case, it definitely wasn't the Gretzky Jofa if you were concussed, because that thing yeah. was not really a helmet. 
No, no, I would have. Uh, yeah, there was no going back. And not only that, so then when I got to the NHL, I wanted to wear one. And then people were like, no, there's no fucking way you're wearing that. But I, I you tried. You wanted to wear the Gretz? I wanted to try the Gretz. Yeah, I did oh, want to yeah. try it. I even, I tried the, I tried the bowl, Jofa, but Benoit Brunet had one. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, it just didn't fly. I, I wanted yeah. to be, if I'm going to wear that, I want it to be original. Right. You know, I, I was left wing and so was he. So it was like I was trying yeah. to be like Benny Brunet. Nothing against yeah. Benny Brunet. Sure. Um, but I, I just didn't want to do that. Uh, I got the calls out for a Denny Savard Bowl, Jofa. Yeah, I'm going for one of those right now. Wow. Yeah, yeah well, I I'd say on, yeah, online you shouldn't have trouble. Tell us one thing about Ivanka Osmak. That's, that's funny, but it's not embarrassing that you feel that you can tell publicly. Oh, jeez. Horrible dancer. But I kind of, I think a lot of people know that. But my favorite thing about Ivanka is she loves to dance. She loves the way she dances, but it's kind of like Elaine on... Uh, oh, I was just going to say Elf. like Elaine Bennis. Yeah, she's not a good dancer, but she thinks she is. And she's totally confident when she does it. So complete admiration because you should dance like no one's watching. And Ivanka dances like no one's watching. So respect. Do you guys... How long before you worked together did you find, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm in a rhythm? Uh, to be honest, it kind of... I, I can't recall an awkward period with Ivanka, which is kind of nice. So we kind of hit it off right away. I mean, I'm sure it took her a little bit used to working with a maniac, right? And like some guy quoting Degrassi Junior High and talking about Eric Estrada on the air. You know, that's, that's me because that's what I do. And <laughs> yeah. again, I just, I'm myself, uh, uh, whether that's to my benefit or detriment. So I'm sure it took her a lot longer to get used to me than it took me to get used to her. But she... She seems to be humored sometimes by what I do. And when she doesn't think I'm funny, she tells me, which I also think is funny. So that, that works for me. So it's yeah, great. We, we got together right off the, right off the bat. We hit it off like me and you TR. We just hit it off. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's why I asked actually, because on here now I've seen, I've seen you guys off here a few times and I knew the answer. I just, I guess wanted to get fit. Yeah. Right. Like we, you yeah. and I didn't have to figure it out. Right. Like me yeah, and Colby, exactly. Me and Colby didn't have to figure it out. I do football hits with Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network. We didn't have to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Because I think, I think me, you, Colby, and Kyle Brandt, we're all from the same era. We all basically had the same, same uh, childhood. We all watched the A-team. Um, True. And Ivanka is, seems to be entertained by guys who watch the A-team. Like, she thinks it's <laughs> funny that, that she's from kind of the same era as me, but it's not obsessed by Degrassi junior high, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and doesn't know Dr. Grant Roberts from, <laughs> from, uh, from, and I think I'm pretty sure Grant Roberts made the thank yous in my book again. He did. Uh, I oh, think this is beautiful. Dr. Grant Roberts from danger Bay. So there you go. He showed up. Uh, one time I, f I thanked the Duke boys and uncle Jesse. Um, I'm trying to think if uncle Jesse's in here. I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah, there he is. Uncle Jesse Duke. I always oh. skip over the thank yous. No, so you I go always right read through. the thank yous. Yeah, I, I, so you, I, uh, you and you go to town with your thank yous. Like you sit down, have a coffee, order brunch, and like think about oh, your yeah. thank yous. Yeah. So I got who do I got in here that, that I didn't probably, want to leave anybody out. They always ask me, and I'm like, no, I'm going to let them. Oh, I, I'm sure I left people out, but I always get a few uh, few things in there for myself. Like just look at uh, Dr. Grant Roberts, uh, Uncle Jesse Duke. There you go, and my buddy's dad, Charles Henri Landry. He's in there too. So there you go. Wow. Yeah, I was getting a few work. things in there for yourself, right? Because I think ultimately, I think this sounds selfish, Terry, but I'm sure you would probably say that the same thing. I think I do the books for myself and I hope that other people find joy in them. I think uh -huh. when, I think a, a songwriter will sit down and ultimately write the song for himself, hoping that others can relate. 
And with my book projects, I've done them for myself with the hope that I hope people can relate to this. And when they this did relate wild. to it, when they did relate to it, like when I did hockey card stories and I did one night only, and for my upcoming book, One to Remember, I think people relate to it. And that to me is a shock. Like I think when a singer writes a song, uh, maybe on a Sunday morning with a coffee, and then 10 years later, it's in front of a crowd and the whole crowd is singing that song, that must blow their minds on a certain level. And when people come up to me and they go, man, I love that book on hockey cards. I love that book, one to remember, but a guy who scored a single goal. I always wanted to score a goal in the league. To me, that's something that, that, that's pretty special to me because I'm like, well, I kind of just did that because I was curious. But, but you're thinking the same thing too, so that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, and you know, I never thought about it like that. So often, I went the last like month without doing a podcast. You're my first guest, I think, in a month, month and a half. I needed yeah. some time off, though, especially with the book coming. And, Ken, I got, I got told by Flanker, they were like, if you have it done by this certain date, which was like August 27th or something, yeah, it can come out in October. But if it's any later, we got to put it out late, like, you know, next, uh, next year. And I was like, geez. Mm-hmm. So I was going around, like, I, I, I discovered speech to text, and I can do yes. that with Word on my phone. It's a beautiful I no, thing. I no, I, it's a beautiful thing. I was working. I, was, I, I wrote the final chapter called The Last Word. And the Langdon chapter while I was grocery shopping. I was just going, and, you know, I go back as long as the skeleton's there. It needs to be edited yeah. unbelievably. But but anyway, so so that was that. So I took some time off the podcast. And then I thought I was going to come back. And I, I, I have, because my podcast, like I do it for the Hockey Podcast Network, and it's great. And, you know, all the other guys, they go out and they, because the Hockey Podcast Network, the way they work, there's a podcast for each team. So there's 32 podcasts, right? And then they wanted me to do the Montreal at first. And I was like, that's a lot of work for someone that's busy because I got to follow the minor league team. I got to follow, you sure. know, not that I don't anyway, but if you want me to do one specifically on Montreal, of all teams, you're going to have Habs fans worldwide that know like my stats More. from Pee Wee, you yeah. know, when, when I don't even know them, you know, I'm not going to start yeah. commenting on other. So it just seemed like a lot. And then they got back to me. Isha Jerome and Dylan Kaiser. So they got back to me and said, you know, we, you can do it, do whatever you want. We're going to have an extra podcast and just call it Tales with Tia or whatever you want to do to the same. Good story. management. So put you, yeah. put you where you can succeed. But Well, I, and I do appreciate it. And, and our, our, the podcast is doing well, but I, I, I find sometimes I need some time off. And then when I come back, I'm like, why do I want to do it? Like, am I satisfying myself? Like, cause I only have my buddies on, but there, that encompasses a big, Whoever's listening at this point must know that and they must like that. But in me, I'm like, you know, I could go and like ask, I don't know, uh, God, uh, Peter Bondra. I could try to get a hold of him and put him up, but I don't know him. It would have been really interesting, especially for Washington Capitals fans. But I really don't know. He He did rock the Jofa. I think that's why. I think that's why he just popped into my head. Of all people to pop into my head, how about that? Peter Bonder. Peter Bonder. Wow. Yeah. Popped yeah. right in there. Right why not Roman here. Czechmanic? It was just why Peter not? Bonner. Yeah, why yeah. not Roman? There's a stand-up goalie. Yeah, um, there you go. A late stand-up goalie, um, or at least a hybrid. I considered him close to stand-up as, as anything recent. But, um, yeah, so then I'm like, you know, am I being totally narcissistic by coming and just feeling like I have to put this podcast out there in the world. But when I do it, I like catching up. And like right now, I'm like, I'm glad I did it. I wasn't going to do it today, but just kept talking to you. And then it brings up memories and ideas. Mm-hmm. Right? Since we've been talking, I've already had some ideas. Now, that being said, that being said, 
I was going to say ideas for a new book, but I want to get in to this, finally get into the book that you just wrote. So this is your sixth okay. book. Yes. I know one person in there, Matt Higgins, good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know well, that's, I, that's why you made the thank yous. You gave me Matt's number. Ah, <laughs> well, I forgot I gave you Matt's number. He, um, oh. Matt, I just noticed his, his wife posted it on, on Facebook yesterday. Oh, did she? Nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I sent Matt a copy. Gave the book some love. Uh, but yeah, so I love that you do these. Now, the hockey card stories, I was, when, when I saw the format and I read it and I was like, this is great. Wow, what, what an idea he has here to come up with. It's, it's a lot like if, you know, you're talking like this, and then if I wrote yes. a chapter on this, you know, I'm assuming, because you've, you've got 40 or 50 people in each one, I'm guessing, and, um, you know, you, you get a story, so that must be a great conversation and research, and then, you know, it's in a package, and you got your chapter, and now you move on to the next one. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how you do it, but that's how I would do it. So I'm like, you know, there, there's something I envied about that. And then you found out a way to get the guys then with one game and now with one goal. Now, the question I got is that do you feel pressure to get these out there, to pump these out there because you're a writer and you don't want to go stale? Or are you still following topics that you absolutely love and you think, you know, and, and, and you're starting to love the process of interviewing all these different people for one book? No, no pressure. Uh, and yes, I love the process. It's funny. A lot of people will write a book and say, Oh, I'm never doing that again. Uh, and, and I have days like that. Sure. Cause it's a lot of work, but overall I love doing it. And the reason I love doing it is I'm a curious guy. I firmly believe everyone has a story and I love doing the, 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 the one night only and the one to remember, because these are guys oftentimes that the common fan will go, Oh, he's no good. He only got one goal. Really? He got one goal in the NHL. The NHL, yeah. So I want these guys to get some respect, but I also want to know what's behind that number one on their hockey DB page. And to be honest, like some of the stories, one story in this book just shocked me. I couldn't believe what the player told me. I was just dumbfounded by it. Really? I was, I was that's what I, I said, what? And I confirmed I, it with a guy, as old, an old teammate of his. I was just in shock as to what happened. So well, that's okay, I, I can't wait. And don't ruin it. Uh, don't, don't tell me now because you're about to. Okay, good. I won't ruin it. Uh, I, I was just in shock as to what this, what happened with this guy. Did Podolan end up being in there? Pods is in there, okay. yeah. Okay, and yeah. sorry, I, I jumped in to continue what you were going to say. Another just, reason why you're in the thank yous, you gave me Jason Podolan's thank, uh, to, contact. I lo- not, on, not only, by the way, not only do I love both those guys, they have a unique, so. Pods got that, quite a story. Yeah, and they're both both those guys are good buddies. They both ended up, but they're good. But I met them. Uh, I met Pods because I played against them, and we had the same agent, right? So we he yeah. played in Spokane. I was in Tri Cities. We played them twenty times a year. One year, twenty four, yeah. um, and and we had the same agent. So I don't know how many times before we were seventeen that we hung out and we'd go to Brainerd and work out. So I never played on his team. Then mm-hmm. we come to get drafted. I go to Fredericton. He goes. I go to Montreal. Whatever. He, but he's in Toronto. So he plays in, in St. John's. I'm in Freddie. We're arch rivals. We'd hang out over here. He'd been into my place. For someone I never actually played with, but Olin's one of my best buddies now, Matt. Yeah. Matt I played with on Team Pacific, Team Canada Pacific, in under 17. And then we got drafted in the same uh, team. But he's, mm-hmm. he's my age, but a year later in the draft because he's got a late birthday. So then we became good buddies, and we lived together for a while, and we, we, we were roommates. But though both of those guys are from Vernon. 
right? Yeah. I don't know if you if you realize yeah, that. Yeah, P- yeah. Panola moved over to Sherwood Park to play uh, in Bantam and and uh, and onward because he was a big star, and they were they had all kinds of Lankow and Dingman and all these guys over there. But that's what happened. But it, 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 they go back to childhood. Maybe you got that through your book. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Like uh, Jason. Jason's career went in a certain way. I mean, this was a guy who was traded, traded straight up for Kirk Muller yeah. as a young guy. So with that comes a certain amount of pressure. But he kind of reveals in the book that, that what happened surrounding that trade and, and what happened with his career has kind of steered him into where he is now in life and what he does now in life. Because he was a guy that I guess a lot of people had great expectations for. And, and um, by the way, and I will jump in and say this, and I don't know why it didn't, like, Right. Some guys go to, like, he, a funny story. He was the leading goal scorer in the minors one year, and I think he yeah. had 48 or 40, but he was in St. John's. That yes. was one year I played again. And then he got traded to Long Beach, and he had another eight or nine out there. Yeah. And he had almost 50 or 50, like, around there. And I, and I, the, I, I used to say to people, like, how is Jason? Because I knew him. I knew him. I played against him all the time. I trained with him in the summer. I would see people come in and out, and we'd go to these camps, and I'd go, like, I watch him and I'm like, why isn't a scout of like if anybody scouted this guy, like we're me and Lankow and, and uh, oh, uh, Dorian Anik and, and Mike Dubinsky and guys that came up out of the West. And then we got older and, and, and he kept doing it and he never didn't do it. And when he got yeah. up to the NHL, he just didn't get a lot of ice time. So, but I was like, man, this guy can score. He was the best scorer in the minors. How is he not? How did he not stick? Anyway, I guess the story to read. It's in there. And I guess the keyword for Jason would be guidance. I mean, you show up in Toronto, it's like, okay, practice is at 11 and that's it. Yeah. Like, what else? What else? You know, when yeah. you're a kid, you're a kid, you're confused. Like think about any job in the world when the new guy's hired, somebody usually takes them, shows them around for a day, maybe a week. They get yeah. used to it. Just like, okay, practice is at 11. That's a lot on a kid. You don't know what they Especially want. Especially on a team you. like that. And when you're traded straight up for Kirk Muller, I think you're probably going to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, I think he did. And, and it's kind of cool where Jason ended up in his career now coaching other people and guiding other people on that mental side of the game. Honestly, That's what he's into now. I and could have told you he was do, going to do that when he was right? 17. Oh, he really? used to talk like this. He used to talk like an inspirational. He was, he was way ahead of the curve. when it co- You know, a lot of people out now, everybody's a self-help, right? Everybody's a... A holistic guru. nutritionist or a guru or you know yeah. they're really nothing they're a real estate agent that's fucking divorced but but um <laughs> nothing against any just that's my brother that's my brother's thing <laughs> the guy will call himself a stand-up comedian he's like you're a stand-up comedian he's like well yeah but they at the day i'm an accountant but i do stand up you're an accountant yeah you're an accountant exactly right? my brother's uh, a stand-up comedian that's how yes. he's built yes well uh, Pinolan is one of the true I would consider him an inspirational slash motivational speaker since the time he's 17. It there used you to go. be like getting, getting an omelet in Minnesota and just like, pods, for fuck's sakes. I get it. I can, I can potentially do whatever my brain allows me to do, and I open up to my feelings. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it That's was, him. It was way before the curve, yeah. That's him. He's way ahead of his time. And then, then Matt, you know, first-round pick, Montreal pressure, Great, injuries. Him. Injuries, you know, wrong place, say, wrong time. Same, kind of same as similar to you, eh? Similar, a little bit with who yeah. got draft, who drafted him, and who took over. Very, and, very similar stories. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Matt was another guy. 
I was in there. I also knew how to play the game. Like I, a lot of times, I, I didn't care about taking a punch in the face. I still, I'll still say it. And whatever that might sound like, I, I didn't want to get hit open ice. Other than that, so that's why. I mean, not why I fought so much, but it's definitely why I wasn't scared to do it. And Matt just wasn't a good fighter. And I remember him looking at. He wasn't scared though, man. He blocked shots. He he went into all the hard areas. He uh-huh. was a great two-way player. You can't be a two-way player, and that's why they drafted him. It's not like he all of a sudden didn't get 100 points. People said, well, maybe he's a two-way player now, like Chad Kilger's a two-way player. No, Matt was drafted as a two-way player, and he was a two-way player, and he was real tough. He just didn't like dropping his gloves because it's a, it's a disadvantage to the team if you lose, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I loved playing with him. It was a treat. Yeah. So, like, I mean, the amazing thing to me about the book is, like, there's a scientist in here. There's doctors in here. There's junior A coaches in here. There's motivational mental coaches in here. Uh, there's a Hanson brother. So all these guys who got a goal, they all kind of went in these, these and a different goalie. directions. And a, there's a couple goalies in here. There's a Hall of Famer in here. I read, but, okay, so, so Chris it, Mason, I know Chris a little bit. Yeah, Chris is in here. Red Deer. Chris is uh, in here. You never play with him in Red Deer, but he lives there in the offseason. At least he did when I lived out there. Yeah, he um, downplays his goal big time. Some guys don't care that they scored, Terry, which I think to me and you is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. I still got my exhibition one on replay there you on YouTube. Go. Some I think guys it's got 8,500 watches, and I think 8,000 are mine. Oh, I got, there's another buddy of yours, T.R., Oh, yeah, Mike Brown. I didn't even realize Brownie got one. Browntown. <laughs> I didn't realize he sniped. First round Brown, we used to call him. Hey, you want to hear the, the first paragraph in the, in the first round Brown? First yeah. sentence? First, first round Brown. That's what the boys <laughs> called Mike Brown back in junior. There you go. <laughs> back in Red Deer. And yep. uh, another guy. Um, and you'll look. first. Ra- toughness used to be really rewarded. So he went... 17th or 18th. I'm going on my junior numbers. I love Brownie, but I went there and he was this kind of tall, awkward kid, right? Because yeah. I, I, I was 19 after having played in the NHL. Yeah. And I, had th- I had three or four games in the NHL, which is crazy when you're going back to junior, especially then because not a lot of guys 18 or 19 made it, right? So, and I mean, the reason I went back, I had that injury. I probably would have stayed all year, but as a 19-year-old, you know, I played the first half in Montreal. So I go back and he's this lanky kid and he had potential. He didn't score a lot. I think he only had 45 points, maybe 44 on yeah. the year. And I got there towards the end. But, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I'm rated in the first round. Yeah. So we, we called him first round Brown. <laughs> and he wasn't drafted in the first round yet. And, and he was um, just you a called real. called first round Brown before he was drafted. I love it. Yeah, he, he was because he was rated there. And he did all right. He was a better player than people give him credit for. He, he was one of those guys that loved to fight. Well, here you go. Want me to read you the bit? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll read you the start. First round Brown. That's what his buddies called Mike Brown back in junior. Guys like Mike Brown pretty much don't exist anymore. In his draft year with the Red Deer Rebels, the six foot four, 220 pound winger scored 19 goals, added 30 assists in 70 regular season games. He also fought a lot over 30 times in the regular season and in the playoffs. That spring, Mike Brown got his nickname when the Florida Panthers took him in with the 20th pick in the NHL. Figures he'd still be a first-rounder these days. Now, you probably like that line. But, <laughs> but maybe his game would be dialed back just a little bit. So there you go. There's your buddy, first-round Brown. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I love it. First round was uh, – he was one of these – we had a couple of them. In Tri-Cities, I was fortunate enough. We, we were a young team. But we had some – like we had myself, Damon Lankow, Yaroslav Svichkovsky, Brian Boucher, 
Yeah. All went in the first round back-to-back years. Uh, Scott Gomez was shortly after us two years. He, Carey Price was sh- the next year after that. Um, but I guess in my in my experience, I'm going off topic, but in, in my experience in Tri-City, even that we – and in my draft year, we had like eight guys drafted. Boyd Olson, Ray Schultz, That's great. Um, Pavel Kreese outside of the – we had all kinds of guys drafted. So – and that's – I. Th- seemed that was the whl at the time i remember the fog devils coming here to st john's and having like mm-hmm. one guy drafted in two years wow. um it was it, it was just that time too, was, too many major junior teams now too eh? yeah there, there's there are there are so yeah there really are and therefore you're watching a more watered down product but that time and kamloops won three out of five memorial cups yeah so, they were in the division, so there was all kinds of scouts all kinds of great players i and i, I believe that a lot of guys get scouted because they're being watched 40 times a year, you know? And they exactly. Might as well. Exactly. You're here we to see this benefited. guy, but you see yeah. this guy. Definitely. Okay. I'm going to throw another guy at you in the book. Yeah. You yell his name out, and I bet you cross paths with this guy in an all-star game or something. Once Christian Dubay. Yes. Yeah. I, Christian, I'll tell you what I was just talking about. So it, it, if by the end of the year, I'm not sure, if, but I know at the halfway point, it was a rare time when the Central Scouting ratings came out, and it's why I went to the CHL All-Star game, because they couldn't deny it. Damon Lankow, uh, Mark Savard, and Christian Dubé were leading their leagues in scoring, and it was the only mm-hmm. time that someone in their draft years, and I, I think it might have finished like that, because I know Lankow led ours, and I know Savard led the O. I don't know if Dubé hang on, but I remember people saying it was the only time that the scoring race was being led in all three leagues by someone in their draft year. And I played against him in exhibition. We played uh, the Rangers, and he was one of their best players with a guy. Oh, man. A guy was only in the NHL for a bit, but he scored like five goals in his first eight games, and he was also with the Rangers. It was that year. I'll get get there. But Dubé was awesome. I remember him looking, but he looked French. Like he had white, white, like those white... uh, uh, tongues on his skates, and he wore yeah, the black yeah. blades. Yeah, the graphs. Yeah, he, the, he wore the graphs. Right? He, he reminded me, there was a guy on my team, Sebastian Bordalo, and yeah. Sebastian Bordalo was the same sort of thing, but like almost almost so finesse, you're like, oh, they're going to get killed out there, but they, but they didn't. But Dubé, I don't know when, I haven't looked him up in years, but he took a deal over in France, if I'm not mistaken. Switzerland. Like, real early, or Switzerland was real early. Like he could have gotten back yes. to the NHL or stayed in. Am I right? I'm right then. Okay. You're absolutely correct. So, really early. So like a year I'd, and a half. Okay, yeah, a year and a half. And I remember thinking, wow, he was one of the first to make the jump because I not, not only did I think he could have played, I thought he could have played and gotten 30 or 40 in the NHL. That's yep. what I like, – he was that he good. He made the jump early. But his thing was he's on the Rangers. If the Rangers need a center, they just go sign a guy. He's behind yeah. Gretz and Mess. And then he discovered – because his father, Norm Dubay, he's playing yeah. the WHA in the NHL had played in Switzerland. So when Christian was a kid, he played minor hockey in Switzerland. Therefore, he was considered a non-import. So he could play in Switzerland as a Swiss with a Swiss oh. passport, hockey-wise. He's still there. He's the general manager of a team in the Swiss League now. So his whole career... His whole life. He was, yeah, he just didn't want to ride the buses. He didn't want to be on the depth chart. And Man, there's, and that's the other thing I learned from doing well, this. I, I, I respect there's, that so much. Go ahead. Totally. Totally. I Wouldn't be me, but I, I, I respect right. that he made that decision. Exactly. I would, I would have, because to me, just like, like I remember every, 
Like I remember warm up some games. Like I just loved right. that I was in the NHL. I couldn't believe it. It was but, every day. Right. I wore my PA gear around. Right. Proudly. I loved it. But but some guys are literally looking at when they're 44, 43, like he is now. Mm-hmm. And you know, where was my best opportunity? Like and and he was correct. He's still coaching. Right. Like anyway, for, sorry, I, I cut you off. What else? For guys yeah. like me and you, and you actually did it, whereas I'm a wannabe, right? I'd give anything. But for some guys, uh, it's a career, and there's a there's a lot of great leagues aside from the NHL. And I learned that from doing one night only and, and from doing one to remember this book. Okay, here's another one. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with this guy. I'm sure you did somewhere along the line. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez, for sure you did. I bet you probably dropped the gloves with him at one point. Big guy. Robbie Skurlak. Wow. I, I, hope, I hope there's a fight from Junior on YouTube. Sheldon Surrey, Rob Skurlak. We called him Furnace Face. <laughs> he had, I'm, I'm, that's a compliment, I guess. In, in the West oh, nice guy. He had his, uh, he had big, big hands. Huge. Honestly, he's one of those guys in Junior. I mean, I fought Belak and, and Rocky Thompson, who were rated up, and, and Myers, and, and they were rated. At, Myers was just me falling down. But I'm not saying I wouldn't have fought him. But he was on Kamloops Blazers, and there were so many. A, I had to play against them, so I had to pick my spots. And if I was going to fight somebody, it would be like try to get a Ginla, although it didn't have happening with a Ginla, but a Jason Holland, Nolan Baumgartner. Like, there was guys like my mm-hmm. – because really I was a middleweight with balls. That's what it sure. was. But I could yeah. fight these. Skurlak, I'm not saying I wouldn't have, but I knew that I would be biting off maybe more than I could chew. He was sure. so big. I would have done it, but we had guys to do that. We had Rob Butts. We had that is the correct Thompson. answer. Yeah, right. So yeah. there's there's one thing to go out and be a hero, and you know you, you end up doing the team a disservice. But right. he was. Did he get any NHL? Yeah, he did with Seattle, with St. Louis, didn't he? He scored a goal, baby, with the Devils. But that's the thing. Rob Skurlak wanted to play junior a he never thought he played junior a he was just thrilled to get the tracksuit in junior a right yeah he, he, he there's a guy that just worked right i love the, those guys those guys who get everything out of the game that they can and for rob skurlock it was the goal and if i'm you know not what? mistaken the night he scored terry his ice time for the night was 43 seconds 43 oh. seconds and he got a goal like i i love that I absolutely love that. How many did he? Yeah, okay, okay. He went up with the, the, the guy that went to St. Louis, also playing in Spokane. His name was Kevin Sawyer. And they were both huge. And, they, and I think Skurlak was even bigger. But you know what? I remember him telling me this story. I don't know what your book's going to say. And people think that I'm interviewing because of the book. But I, I haven't read your book yet. It only comes out tomorrow or the next day, doesn't it? Yeah, this yeah. week. This week? Yeah. So, or right now on Amazon.com or Amazon.ca. One to remember. Stories from 39 members of the NHL's Gold Club. One goal. Beautiful. That's a, plug. That's a plug, Terry. Of course. I lo- no, but I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it on there. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward. You've shown me five names, and I, I know all of them, and I'm interested. And even oh. the Billy Smith, that the excerpt I watched online, oh, yeah. I love that. Can I, I, I kind of know Billy, name? but even if I didn't, that's a great story. But listen, but with Skurlak, I remember they used to play in the Boone Street Burn. Um, it was a crazy building, and I remember coming out after the game, and he was this big, real, real tough, real man. I thought Skurlak would have been like just a, a delinquent, just to try to rip my head off. But after the game, I went out to grab fries and a pop or something and bring it on the bus because it was about an hour and a half, two hours to Tri Cities, which was our closest trip in the West. 
Um, but he came out and he was doing the same thing. And he shook my hand. I couldn't believe it. He had no reason to do this because I think I'm younger than him. I think he's a year older than me. But um, And he started talking. He said, I had no idea. I, I remember it vividly. I remember him telling me that he did not expect to make the Junior A team. And he got like caught from Junior yeah. B or Midget or something. And then he went and nearly got caught for Junior A. And he just found his way onto the Chiefs. And then he, he did well in like a few games and he stayed. I remember it being yeah. that. I, I know that that's really vague, but I remember yeah. him telling me that story and I'm right, aren't I? You are. and that's I don't I know him about, well. No, but that's what I love about Rob's story is he, he got everything he possibly could out of the game. And I, I've had a lot of people tell me that over the years. Just take it for whatever it gives you. Like if, if you peak it, if you can only get to junior B, get to junior B. If you can only get to midget C, get to midget C. That's but what I, I told I love that. my uh, BJ's son. Well, I guess say my stepson I, I never know what to call it i raised tyson yeah. I want people to know that i'm he's proudly bj young's son yeah one of my best friends but tyson went out and played junior b the last couple of years in st paul alberta mm-hmm. and i'm like you know you're gonna have billets and you're gonna get, ride the iron lung and it's all relative like you get out there it's the same like people that go you're gonna make memories man yeah that you are you are and i i think any level of junior i encourage it some some kids you know and, and it's teach their own um but if if you can pass midget you know if you if you can give it a try because you know it, it's really is and uh, even though midget and minor hockey is all an extension of it but but junior i find is where it really starts that that, that camaraderie and you know the, the sacrifice for your teammate and it's because it seems up to that point minor hockey seems really personal now it didn't when i played but you know because yeah. there's these specialized clinics and you know you got to yeah. do this and you got to do this and uh, you know, they even did away with around here, Ken. They did away with the Mount Pearl Blades and like the St. John's Caps. If you're growing up, because they had a metropolitan area and there's a draft. So yeah. now, like the, the 20 best players from Mount Pearl don't make up the Mount Pearl Blades. That's, they make that's up the, garbage. They that's make up garbage. the Canadian Tire Stingers or that's whatever. Garbage. So now you look at the awards the last 10. And, and that's how Tyson came up. And I was like, man, it's just, it seems individual. And then you play yeah. for the St. Paul Canadians, right? And you come out yeah. and. You see the fans cheering for you. And that's Junior B. I yeah, mean, it's great. Even the Yarmouth and Junior A asked Jody Shelley or or Ackity Bathurst in Major Junior asked Zach O'Brien or or AHL, uh, you know, wherever you're going to be, asked Donald McLean. I could go on and on. Whatever level that you get to, you know, you, you just be proud of that, man, and, and, and go with it, and you learn to be a teammate, and you learn to be a hockey player, and I think it's all relative. Right? Yeah. Honestly, a junior dressing room is much like an NHL dressing room. Okay, so when I here's another one, Tr. This is a guy that another guy that got everything out of the game. So when I set out to do this book, I wondered how many guys have scored one goal in the NHL. So my crack stats guy at work, a crack stats guy at SportsCenter, named Steve Fallon, so he has an answer for me in no time. It's hovers around the 425 mark, right? Because some guys will score a goal, then they score two, so they're off the list. So yeah. there's there's about 6,500 people who skated in the NHL over the years. 425 of them have only scored one goal. But here's the kicker. 1,500 have never scored a goal, right? That's a, right. <laughs> that's a lot. So to be part of the one goal club is pretty special. So I'm going through the list, and I come across this name, and I go, legend. This man has to be in the book under any and all circumstances. Absolute legend. So I happen to know him a little bit. I met him at a Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada a couple of years ago. Track this number down. I'm pretty sure you'll know this name. If you not, your, your father will freak out that he's in the book. Okay. Okay. Oh, my God. Yes. 
Frank Beaton, I would have thought from the way my dad talks about him that he had more than one goal in the NHL, though. There you go, Frank. Man, where's Beaton. he from? Frank Beaton is from Anaganish, Nova I knew Scotia. It. Yep. I knew it. I knew it. That's why I asked. I knew he was – that was uh, – and he's still Actually, a let legend. Me, let, me get it. let me get it. We played Antigonish. He's Riley, still – Briley Brook, Antigonish County. Briley Brook, Antigonish County, Nova Scotia. Legend. But if, if you were to talk, he, his name is still popular in Antigonish. And it they, is. There you go. They, there's a lot of – It actually from that. It popped into my head from going to golf tournaments and people talking about Frank Beaton. But yeah, my dad, yeah. Pipes. So, Frank, if, if people know him, the nickname was uh, Never, then Seldom, then Always. And then it was time to retire. <laughs> so, Frank, never beaten. Frank, seldom beaten. Frank, yeah. always beaten. And Frank will tell you the story of that nickname in the book. And it maybe isn't quite the accurate nickname you think it is. But Frank Beaton's a guy that just played his guts out and was a scorer in junior, right? But yeah. then figured out what he had to do to stick when he went up to Ontario and what got him further along. And by the time the, the 70s come along with its crazy, crazy hockey back in the day and the WHA and every other league Frank played in, it was on, baby. It was absolutely on. Like, I mean, there's, there's pregame wow. brawls of him against Frank Durbano and the, or Steve Durbano and the St. Louis Blues playing for the Rangers. But Frank scored a goal for the New York Rangers, buddy, and you better believe he's damn proud of it. Wow. Wow. Uses a few adjectives to describe how proud he is. Where, that goal. <laughs> Where does he live now? Frank's out. No, he's out between BC and Alabama. He's in the mining industry. So I got to text him and track him down and send him a copy of the book. But having him in my book was just a massive thrill. Um, and here's the crazy thing about Frank Beaton, too. Three legendary top guys from Anaganish. John Brophy, Frank Beaton, and Dennis Bonvey. Dennis is also in the book. Dennis is also a one-guy goal, one-goal guy. So wow, Frank, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so Frank Beaton is traded to John Brophy's team because the coach basically calls Brophy, and he's like, look, I got to get Frank out of my league. You got to take him. He's crazy. So Brophy, that's all Brophy needs to hear, right? Oh, yeah. My Brophy God. didn't know Frank Beaton, and they're both from they're both from Anaganish. So, so, Bro, so they call up Frank, and Brophy's like, hey, you come to – you come down to my team. I forget what team it is, and I'll get you a tryout with Cincinnati. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, you come to my team. I was traded to Columbus. When Brophy called me, he said if I played for him, he could get me a tryout with the Cincinnati Stingers and the WHA. I thought, wow, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to try out for Brophy. I figured if I didn't make the Stingers and the WHA and end up playing for Brophy in the Southern Hockey League, obviously I knew who John Brophy was. Everybody did. A few months later, Beaton made his way to training camp and met the legend himself. I checked into training camp and I checked in my room at the hotel. Now, remember, I'd never met Brophy. He'd never seen me. There was a knock at the door. So I answered the door and John Brophy was there with a guy named Ian McKinnon. Brophy looks at me and says, Frank Beaton? I had my shorts on. I was watching TV by myself in my room. I said, yeah. And Brophy looked at me and I didn't know what he was expecting or what he was expecting to see based on what he'd heard about me. But he looked at me and he just said, where the fuck is the rest of you? <laughs> Oh, man, I've never met John Brophy, but it sounds like Ally Frady and the boys and, and uh, Gary uh, Lehman, Lehman tell, me, yeah. tell me stories. Well, bro, so, so oh. Frank, said, Frank <laughs> says, I was 175 pounds soaking wet. He was expecting somebody fucking 6'2 and 200 pounds. I said, nope, this is all I got. So there you go. 
That's wow. Frank so, Beaton. And he didn't Frank, let his size stop him. Frank never beaten was quick. Never beaten, some quick baby. Hits. Never beaten. That's a guy I'm surprised never ended up in the Newfoundland League. Yeah. Because everybody else from the Nova Scotia, New Brunswick area, who was a tough, he kind of ended up over there. And I'm pretty sure Frank never ended up in that league. But, uh, yeah, his – No, I would, I would know loves, if, he, if he played over here, we, yeah. we would know it. He, he absolutely loved loved John Brophy. He's so proud of where he's from. And he's really proud that he was the first guy from Anaganish County to score a goal in the NHL because there's been a few before and a few after him. I mean, remember Paul McLean's from Anaganish County, Craig McDonald's from Anaganish County, Dennis Bonby, John Brophy. He never played in the NHL but coached in the NHL, but Frank got the first goal. So that's a special story for me to have him in this book. Huh. I didn't realize that. I actually did, Craig McDonald. I just forgot. Yeah, I was with him a couple of years ago. I got one more for you, TR, because I know this will light a fire within you, buddy. I'm loving this. Yeah, I, I like just chucking the what, names this, this is what I like before you – what I like about it is because these are all – I joked earlier when I said, oh, it's perfect shitter book, but I, 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 what I mean – true. It's well, true. Hey, yeah, hey and, buddy, hey, you're not talking to William Shakespeare here. Well, I know where people read it. It's all kinds of, yeah, and, and that has become a term, as crude as it might be, for like, you can take it out. Like, if I, if I go to Burring Park on my bike or whatever, I know I can take it out and read a story or two, and then I can pop it back in. I don't have to, like, get back into my novel and read 37 pages and see that Marianne and Chris are going to be together on the end of the boat. It, it's mm -hmm. just like, which there's a time and a place for that, but. Sure. I find because I feel a sense of accomplishment and I only have to put like 10 minutes in or 20 or 30 or whatever. So I like that. And that's why, like when I write my book, when you said don't feel, no, I don't feel pressure. The, what I like, I, I would if I thought about it as a whole. And I often go, okay, I would, like if, if Stephen King sits down to write a book, he's got to think of like a beginning, you know, a, 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 a protagonist. He's got he's to think of a, some kind of climax. He's got to think of some conclusion. He's got to maybe think about how to pull the wool over the, the eyes. He's got to mm -hmm. develop the characters. And it seems like, and so I often think of my book, like, what am I going to write about now? And, and when I think about it in those terms of, like, beginning to end, mm -hmm. I find it almost astronomically, it's hard to do. When, yeah. when I go, okay, I'm just going to write this story, because, I mean, I naturally write in a journal anyway. And when I don't approach it like that, and I go, okay, you know what? It was a great time when I went to Planet Hollywood and met Dennis Rodman. And so now I can write a four or five page story and then I save it. And then eventually I have enough of these anecdotes. Yes. Okay, I'll make a book this time. So that's what I like. And I, I, I way, way, way prefer the approach of I'm going to write an anecdote. And that's what I relate all these little stories. Because yeah. even though it's talking about a first goal, they're really just a bunch, not just... They're really a bunch of interesting anecdotes that we gather information from. Like mm -hmm. these stories goal, that you're telling me, yeah, not just about oh, it was great, right. you know, the goal that, leads how, you how was it? It was awesome. It was, it right. was great. The puck went in the net, and you know, I saw everybody go crazy, and I looked sure. up, and wow, I couldn't believe. You're, you're getting into the crazy backstories here, right? So the guys will often say, "Well, what do you get? One goal? How much can I tell you?" I said, "Well, let's just chat and see where it goes." So we chat and we see where it goes, and then I kind of. Put it all together. I don't know what order. Have you ever had in. someone that's so it's it's so uninteresting that you can't put it in? No, no, yeah, never I have. I didn't never think have. so. I didn't um, think so because it's just such an interesting topic. You know, and and when you're writing and interviewing guys, I don't know when Frank. I interviewed Frank Beaton, but it was probably in the middle of the 39 interviews. But as soon as I was done, I go, "That's the end of the book, right there." Frankie just gave me my end of the book. 
Nice. And he did. And I, and I like approaching it from, okay, this is the guy's hockey DB line. I know a bit about him and where he played. Let's see where it goes. And away we go. Like, I'm not over-researching this. I'll, I'll do some of the research afterwards, like if I have to look up a stat or something. But I, I like stories. I'm not going to get boggled down in numbers. Me, me too, yeah. I'm, I'm just like you, as you know. Yeah. I, and if I, if I say, the next time I go to Senior's Basement, after I furnish my fourth wobbly pop, <laughs> and I go in for my first pee to break the seal, if I see one of my books in Senior's Throne area, I will be the happiest man <laughs> in the world. That's my goal as a writer, is to get one of my books into Senior's Basement Bathroom. And oh, my go. God. That's phenomenal. I've, yeah. senior, so Senior's got – he's OCD, right? So he's got 14 books next mm-hmm. to his bed at all yeah. times, and he reads a chapter out of – not each one each night. He tries to do that, but he'll – He'll he'll chip away and chip away, and then when one's gone, he'll replace that. I love. I don't know where the fourteen comes from. I don't know. Honestly, Dave Keon. A lot of little Dave quirks. Keon. Did he like Dave Keon? He thinks Dave Keon is one of the most interesting characters in in there. hockey history. There's your fourteen. There's your fourteen. He, yeah, maybe maybe that's it. And he yeah. and he loved uh, Keon and me. The oh, Dave. by Bedini, my favorite one of my favorite hockey books, man. What isn't that a great book? Isn't oh, that a beautiful. great book? It's like, beautiful. Like, and it took Dan. I know Bedini. And Bedini doesn't talk about many of his books other than he's giving an anecdote about, you know, the topic of hockey or whatever. And, so, and there was one he got baseballissimos about baseball in Italy. And, yeah. and I heard about these and got them. And I, I don't know how I didn't know about Keanu Me. Uh, Keanu Me is one of the best books. If Dan not had it there, Ken. I read it. I, it's up there. It's my top five. Oh, and I love how it goes back and forth. Again. The, the timing. Right. And again, with Dave, it's... Uh, it's one subject that leads to a myriad of stories that all link together, right? He's using Dave Keon as a vehicle to tell. It's so much well, about his childhood. Yeah, I mean, you, you right. find out about his childhood in there. You're right. right. It's so relatable. It's so relatable. It's just a beautiful book. And what was yeah. the last one you were going to show me? Oh, you? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So Not the last one. but you, So I this guy's name pops up. I'm like, of course. So what I love about this is as a kid, I'm like, I remember watching and going, these guys can actually play. I bet you these guys played somewhere. They're not just actors. And a lot of people still don't know that this guy played in the NHL, let alone scored one. You will, for sure. Yeah, man. Dave Hansen of the so Hansen I a, Brothers. I just posted a picture on Instagram. Uh, I met him in Pittsburgh when I was playing a ball hockey tournament, we got, and we got a picture with yeah, him. Yeah, with the Irish uh, jersey on there. Yeah, yeah. So, And not only that, my father, as you know, I think you know, but he went to camp. When he was going to Minnesota, they were there. Um, his, his, isn't Hanson the, the, the cousin of the Carlson brothers? No. So Dave just had – it's random. There's a story there, right? Yeah, so the three Carlson. Dave was called in to play a Hanson brother because Jack Carlson was called up to Edmonton, had to play in the playoffs, couldn't make slap shot. Hey, what? One sec. I gotta put something in the oven. Just one sec. Stay right there, yeah. okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got a meeting about a marketing strategy for the book, and I gotta go soon. Oh, I wanna, cool. no I wanna eat a wrap on the way. No on, on a film set. I don't know if you've been on a film set. Have you? Have you been like on a movie or? No, you? no. So you I've get been fed on like it. craft services is crazy. You, 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 and now in COVID. Yeah. You go like buffet line, but you have to order at the beginning of the day. Okay. Like, well, what can I have? And they're like, well, you can have everything. I'm like, no, I don't want to milk it. Like, we're like, well, just, just have whatever you want. If you want. So like, I'll order one of everything, like a 
a burger, a wrap, a, a, a salad or two salad. Then you get subs, like substantial yeah. snacks. So all kinds of food. And they know because usually you could go over and get more at the table, but now you can't. So you kind of stay with it all day. But I'm like, hey, whatever. So we all ordered maximum shit. And Beauty. like seven wraps in there. <laughs> <laughs> no grocery shop. Other people, yeah, well, I'm on a location. It's a big team. So like probably seven or eight of us. So all the food came in. Yeah, I mean. You, you go to Senior's house, all his uh, food's wrapped in Miramax films. Uh, often, often wrap. happens. We'll take the yeah. Well, often I'll go into the craft too. Because at the, at the end of the day, there's all kinds of food left. I can't believe this. I can't believe it. But when I say food, like I'm not going to go in and, you know, take people's leftover that they used on their plate. But there's so much food that's, that they make, so many of them, right? And there's always right. extra stuff. I w- trust me, I wouldn't be taking this if it wasn't already made and it was going somewhere. But. Um, yeah, so I'll go at the end of the day to the craft people and often they're like throwing stuff away. It's, it's amazing. I'm going, why do you got like 17 fish burgers there? Like, you know, it's, so I'll give them to my buddies or I'll come back or the breakfast wraps I love. Cause I just put them in the freezer and take them out. But yeah, like I tell that to people and some of them look at me like I got 10 heads, but I'm like, they're, they're already made wraps. Food. They're going to go into the garbage. I'll put them in my freezer. I, I don't have one bit of shame that way. No, God, no. Um, free, free things, three things in life I can't get enough of: free food, free beer, and free golf. <laughs> nice. I might use that, although I don't golf yeah. enough. I, I golf no. up there. I get too much to do here. Um, although I'm going Thursday. Now I just cut you off. Continue your story. Dave Hansen. Okay, so yeah, uh, one of the Hansen brothers from Slapshot. So Jack Carlson was supposed to play the third Hansen, but he was uh, he was or was he supposed to play Killer? Anyway, he had. Had to play in the WHA, so he couldn't make. This the, is the uh, story movie. I remember. Yeah, Dad telling yeah. me. Yeah, you know, so he so never Dave, gets through the story because it goes off into some other direction. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, so Dave was a great pro player, a tough player. Uh, you know, played in the WHA, played in all kinds of leagues, like a lot of guys in the '70s did. Played in the American League, but scored his one goal with the Minnesota North Stars. Um, you know, local boy does good, a Minnesota guy, and you know Terry as well as I do. Dave uh, lives in Pittsburgh now, runs Robert Morris University Ice Complex, and is just a wonderful guy, such a great storyteller. So to have Dave in the book was just amazing. Like, I mean, for all the people that watch the movie, know that that guy scored a goal in the NHL. That's pretty incredible. I honestly don't know that I knew that he scored a goal in the NHL. There you go. Live and learn, baby. You look at that movie. That's a big piece of information. Well, yeah, it is. That movie. That's a big piece. That guy actually, like, I don't think people realize that when they're watching the movie, I think they realize that there's a lot of pro hockey players playing, but I don't think sure. that anybody realizes there's actually NHL players out there. Like, he's right. in, that, you know, it just hits home that he played in the NHL. That's wild. And uh, could Reggie Dunlap, could Paul Newman skate? He learned to skate for that role and respect because it looked, you know, he made yeah. it all right. I know he's you not know? in the major, but, he, but some of them, I, I only say that because I rewatched it again. And um, there was a couple that you couldn't really, like there's ways to turn when you get a stunt double. And yeah, it happens a couple. T- yeah. But there's other times that he's skating right at the camera. That's hard yeah. to do. Yeah, he's, he, for a good Back then, you know, you could Donaldson, right? He just had the feet yeah. glide, gliding in. Yeah, he glides in. With the, oh, I love that. That's what a guy. one of my favorite scenes. What so yeah, Dave, Dave scored. And I think, I think a bigger thrill for Dave too is watching his son. Well, actually, it's in there. I mean, again, the one goal from that leads us into Slapshot Talk. 
it leads into the fact that Dave was a hockey dad who saw his son's Christian score in the NHL for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. Like that, I, that was one of my favorite things when Christian played was just the cutaways of Dave in the stands. And he's just a, just a hockey dad like, like everybody else, right? What a great and, and this, game. Right. This is a guy who uh, paid his price in the minors, mo- known famously throughout the hockey world as a Hanson brother, but he's got another story too. And it's about the time he scored one goal in the NHL. So. And uh, apparently another cool. story. So he runs that. So no wonder. So I was in Pittsburgh for the ball hockey world championships. Yeah. And um, it was world ball hockey federation. There's two of them. I won't get into it, but anyway, this was a nice trip. I played with team Ireland in this one. It's a little more laid back, but whatever we went down there and I met him at the rink and I knew it because, well, because it's Dave Hanson. And, and, and he looks he, like Dave Hanson. He, and he still, yeah, exactly. Like the picture, if anybody's listening, just go to my Instagram. It was a thing posted with Team Ireland. It was like five or six deep into the post. But he looks like Dave Hanson. And then someone just said, uh, isn't that guy in Slapshot? I was like, oh, that's definitely him. So I went over, but I didn't realize. he. So he was probably running the rink. That's why he was there. I thought yes. he was a stick rep or something. Yes. And why. He's a uh, wonderful man. Wonderful guy. I've had some great conversations with him. And, and Colby... The arm dog works out with him sometimes, so he hooked me up with his Oh, number. yeah, arm dog. Good to have friends. Good to have friends in high places like you and Colby hooking me up with all these phone numbers, buddy. <laughs> Colby, I forgot. Ex-Red Deer Rebel, by the way, as, as you yes. know. I don't know if all the uh, Sniper. Sniper back in his Red Deer days. Sniper and great, great kid. Um, oh. Well, I say kid, but he, he was – he just – we came across each other a couple times before we really got to know each other. Yeah. And I remember going back because they won the Memorial Cup a few years that was like i was i still oh, had two or three i want to say something yeah i still had some connections on the team and i paid close attention and he was always humble you know like always even oh, even yeah. when he was a star and junior and um and well, i forgot colby, he lives in pittsburgh yeah well colby's on the all room team you're on the all room team colby's on the all room team i'd like to assemble the nhl all room team there's one day who else would you put on the all room team there's a great t-shirt there's a great T-shirt. There's a great book. If the you're talking room, room, I mean, in my experience, I, I mean, Corson was pretty good in there. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Corson would be good, yeah. If, if, if Talking about, it's one thing to motivate. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, if, if everything that made me happy and comfortable in the room, you're like, like, there was great guys. Like, I'm sure, like, Steve Eisenman was great. And Mark Recchi was great. And Pierre Turgeon. But, like, Corson, like, in the room, he's kind of got a guy that would nudge you and just say something crazy about some, you know, just, just there was a level of humor, but also yeah. a level of, of like story time. Right. You were there to do a job, of, but there was lots of stories happening. Right. I always thought of myself as NHL caliber in the room, but nothing else. I'm useless. <laughs> but some like guys you, are there. Some if you guys, wanted to just put me in a uni and just have me in the room uh, before and after the game between periods, I'd do it. It'd be, I'd have the tarp off too before between periods, eh? For when the boys came in, to remove all the upper gear, bend <laughs> over. Oh uh, well, tell some stories. You could play the part. I, I've often said it, like when I tell people, I'm like, oh, some games I warmed up and I didn't play. They're like, oh, that's too bad. I'm like, what? I, was, I just told you I warmed up in the National Hockey League. I skate around yeah. with no helmet on, with my Canadians jersey on, that's and then the I got dream. free food and booze all night. And back then too, we were allowed. To, we would go up and get our food, and I, I'm sure maybe you can't now, but you know no. we'd be like when third period started. We'd be like, oh, we'll have a couple beers. It's Saturday awesome. night, you know, get, get a head start, go down awesome. in the room. There might even be a beer in the room then. No, oh, jeez, wonderful. It was Molson on their team, though. 
So it was probably oh, yeah. a different bit, bit different of a culture. Well, that was the other thing. You played for the Habs back in the day. Eh? You retired and you're just a Molson rep. What a great gig. <laughs> I know. Awesome. Would, we would come back in the summertime and they would give us, like, I, did, I didn't have enough beer to get through the summer. I could just give it to my buddies. But they would give us, like, 52, no, 100, yeah, 50 of those two dozen, so 100 dozen beer, like, just for the oh, summer that. God. For, and then if you if you said anything, if I said like I'm having a get together or anything like that, then they yeah. would send whatever you needed. The Habs were always good like I that. And you know what? You know what else they did? Going back to write my book because um, you forget certain things. That's another thing that I liked. I liked about it, and I like about doing these podcasts um, is revisiting these things. But the Habs used to call up their prospects at the end of the year, so like. Me and Jose Theodore, a couple more. So, like, I remember it was the end of the 97, 98 year. And even though I wasn't on the team at the end of the year, but they called me up for the last game, so I'd be on a list. So that's why I got invited to Planet Hollywood, because they're like, we're inviting all the Montreal Canadiens. And then there'd be, like, golf tournaments. There'd be all these things. They'd include you guys. They'd make you feel part of it. Yes. And that's why, like, organizations too. They were great, right? And that's why I often, the line is, it gets foggy with some fans because I had a bad time with Michelle Therrien, but... Other than that, and you know, other than that, you know, Rajon Hul is still. I'm not going to say a buddy, but when I go up there, like I go to games, I sat with them recently. Yeah. Like, there's really no, and they really treated their prospects great. Now, with the hockey moves they made, people are going to make blunders here and there. You could always sit on the what side of history you're going to be on. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have been a great. But I'm totally over that. I, just looking back, the way they treated us was absolutely phenomenal, and they mm-hmm. really went out of their way. To make us feel like Montreal Canadiens, you know, and you then were. you know, yeah, but yeah. That's, well, that, that that's why the organization works, right? It's respect. But yeah. that that's one of the reasons why I do these books too. If one to remember, people can scoff at a guy who got a goal in the NHL. I think it's amazing. I think it's to be respected, and I think these guys should be respected. And when a casual fan will say that guy sucks, no, he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> suck. I hate that that's expression. A- I hate. Sure, he had a bad game. Maybe he's not your favorite player. But he's an elite level player if he's playing in the National Hockey League. Sure, he's not the elite of the elite, but he's still elite. You go watch any guy yeah, in this book any of them. who scored one goal in the NHL, yeah. you go on the ice with him and your buddies. He'll school you. He'll school I you love, every time. And to, to, to bring it full circle, a lot of people think that John Scott's the epitome of like big goonery. Oh. Go out and play an ex- go out and play with him and you know what I mean. You go yep, to the alumni was, game. The biggest when I play alumni oh. games with him. That's all we, always the biggest surprise at the end of the game yep. with fans. They're like, oh, I didn't realize John Scott was a good hockey player. <laughs> well, what did you think he was? That's the <laughs> same thing. He's really good. And, he, and even he'll say, well, I played in the NHL. <laughs> you know? know. Like, exactly. Just, oh, man. Exactly. Yeah, I, I actually sent in the book to Johnny, too. And it's, again, there's a guy. That whole all-star thing, that was based on disrespect. Yeah. And he turned it around yeah. and shoved it. He's like, hey. This is what I'm going to do with it. One of the, be- the one of, of the that. best examples of turning it around and shoving in their face in yeah. the history of sports, it mind was you. Beautiful. In it the history of sports, um, with that uh, killer, I got to take off because I got a Good meeting bud. about my own book, which is yeah. coming out soon. We got a marketing strategy, and uh, there's going to be a lot of online. This is what I hate about it. I was going to I was going to come up to Ontario. Yeah. All the old junior to junior and pro teams I played on, like I did last time, and. Hit, yeah. hit them here and there. I'll just do it later. It could be worse. We've had a great summer here in Newfoundland. You and I are still, we're, we're on here. We're talking. We're doing our thing. Even though 
Um, some of what I was doing got taken aback. I'm still getting by, and a lot of people aren't, and I really feel for them. We're in the middle of a weird time. But you seem to be doing well. I'm doing well. It was great talking to you. Good luck with the book. I can't wait to read it, which is going to happen tomorrow. Can I buy it right now? You can buy it. One to remember. Stories from 39 members of the NHL's Gold Club. You can buy it right now at Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, or it'll be in your local bookstore shortly, uh, or just put Ken Reed, R-E-I-D, into the search engine, and it should come up. But TR, thanks for having me, buddy. It's always awesome to talk hockey with you, and I love that you have a a voice and respect for the guys that I write about, and these guys, their stories deserve to be told because there's some pretty amazing hockey players in here. Uh, there's, there's a few guys in here that are just knock your socks off out on the ice, but they only end up scoring one goal in the NHL. I love it. Okay. I can't wait to read it. I think I'm, I'm the most excited of all of them to read this Thanks, one buddy. because of the stories, the angle of it. And because I know so many people in there. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed uh, reading yours too. And people should pick that up. We should market our books together. And I would just like to note that I scored 15 goals in my final year midget C. So if anyone ever wants to <laughs> okay. write a book about one to remember in midget C, I'm not eligible. Well, 15 to remember, of course, uh, or yes. me and me, Taran Sam with, and I always say, uh, what was the title? Eight. Eight and oh. out, eight, eight and out eight. or something. The eighth draft pick guys. Eight wonders. Or I can't remember. I can't remember. There's an eight. Yeah. There's an eight to it. Uh, anyway, if you ever do one on guys who played eight games specifically, <laughs> you'll, you'll do it when you're like 97. You're, you're just going to keep pumping them out. out. Yeah, eight men you, out. That's what they should call it. Eight, eight men eight out. Eight and out. Eight and there out. You go. Eight and the Turan Sandwith Terry Ryan story because uh, I don't know anybody else. In any case, right, I got to take off. Great talking with you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my man. Cool, buddy. Say hi to Senior and Gail for me. I will. Later. Okay, wow. As uh, advertised and expected, went longer than I thought we would, but uh, Ken's one of my best buddies. He wrote the foreword to my book, and uh, if we haven't plugged his enough, one to remember, I promise you this is going to be uh, great. I only know a few of the stories so far, but all the other books are awesome. Uh, they're easy reads. They're very interesting, and they're informative for a hockey player and non-hockey players or fans alike. Uh, I want to mention a couple things. Sportscraft, local company. They're great. They've been great to me over the years, and I figured I'd put in a, uh, an ad read here. We're not, not a, I'd put in a plug for them. Sportscraft, uh, local sports, first place for your local sports here in town. Uh, Ropewalk Lane uh, just got, got everything uh, and uh, any equipment. Got all kinds of nice memorabilia. Got all kinds of nice clothing. Uh, and it's great people, the Crockers that run it. And uh, I've been meaning to say that for a while. Um, Penny Posh, you know the drill. Uh, hoodies, they're awesome. Buy a hoodie. I'll throw in a uh, free picture signed, and my father will do that as well. PennyPoshDesigns.com. Shoot me a note if you want uh, to learn more about it. Uh, and Wedgwood Cafe here in town. Wedgwood Cafe's... Uh, not only a great restaurant, but for, uh, check out Peter Wedgwood, uh, Wedgwood Cafe for all your catering needs. And of course, if you're on George Street, of course, come, wa- come visit TJ's Patio or TJ's, uh, formerly Turkey Joe's, but uh, we call it TJ's now. And uh, we got a lot of great things coming up for the fall. We got a pool table now. We got eight or 10, is it, TVs? And we're going to start doing some 
well, we got sports on, but I mean, we're going to start doing some giveaways and promotions and specials and all those things. So stay tuned. It's patio season at patio season on Instagram. Check that out. And of course, green sleeves, um, cornerstone of George street. One of my favorite bars slash restaurants on the planet, same umbrella as uh, Turkey Joe's falls, falls or TJ's falls under the green sleeves umbrella. And uh, yeah, you're going to find me at one or the other if I'm downtown. Uh, and by the way, uh, thanks again for tuning in. I know it's been inconsistent, and I mentioned this a bit at the beginning. Um, although it is nice to talk to Ken because I'm encouraged to do a little bit more. It's just I, you get a lot on your mind and a lot on your plate. Uh, it's hard to keep pumping these out, but I will try to be consistent. Maybe I could be consistent by having one every two weeks, and, and maybe I could get that done. I was trying one a week, and although it should be able to be achievable, um, I just can't pull it all off every week. And uh, having sporadic work, if nothing else, is one of those reasons. But I promise you to keep getting these uh, out there. Um, I know some people that love listening, and you know we do have a pretty big listenership at the moment, and uh, I do appreciate that. It is humbling. Um, and I got to remember that going forward. Uh, it's just, uh, you know what I'm saying. It becomes a little bit monotonous at times, as I'm sure you can understand. But anyway, I got to take off. I got a meeting. Hang in there, everybody. Keep your head up and your stick down. Catch you on the rebound. This has been Tales with GR. Bye.